Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, before we kick things off, if you've been enjoying previous podcasts or you particularly enjoy this one, could you please head out, head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review one or the other. That's It's super helpful for pushing the podcast up the rankings and all those sorts of things. If you would like to support the podcast, you can either head over to Patreon, there's a link below, where you can leave a regular sort of monthly donation to help with production of the podcast, or you can pop along to sammores.com slash shop and you can buy me a pint. So if you enjoy it particularly, you can buy me a pint and I'll be very grateful. Hope you enjoy. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with me today, live, well it's not live. No, it's not live. But we are, we are live. <laughs> That's true. Uh, We're alive. In, in the studio <laughs> is, uh, is Paul Wallace. Yes. Cars of London. How's it going? Not bad. Not yeah. Bad. You were on the podcast. I was looking it up. Yeah, twenty third of October, twenty nineteen. Oh, not far off. That's, a year ago, that is to the day. That is, is it? twenty seventh. Oh, yeah. So yeah, fair enough. That's that's a while ago. That was it podcast is. episode number twenty two. Okay. And at that point in time, um, and I don't even. I think yeah, because we filmed it. That was obviously this time last year. Um, Same weather. And I was at that point in time. I was like, oh, I'll do like twenty episodes a season give myself loads of time and then yeah. now I'm on like episode, I think this is 73. I think lockdown helped. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you just need stuff to do. You can't do anything else. Yeah. So here we are. Zoom it is. <laughs> so, oh, well, okay. We've just been talking about it. So we might as well, we might as well get straight into it. It's the most relevant topic we could probably talk about. Yeah. So this, this video will go out, this video, this video and podcast will come out in about two weeks time from now. So we, we may have more developments by the time it goes live. Yes. But let's, okay. So the, the news that's broken today, that my last podcast was with, did, with Darren Turner. He'll be the one before you. Yeah. Actually. No, sorry. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I was trying to, I was like, I could I see know. into your brain trying know. to work out the so schedule. The one before that was Christian Von Koenigsegg. And at that point in time, they were looking at breaking the current high-speed record with the Yesco Absolute. And then in between me recording that and that one going live, which was yesterday or, yeah, yesterday, SSC, is that the full name? What is the um, Shelby uh, Supercars it's, it's America? North America. Yeah, no, SSC North America. Okay. I think it's uh, the... Tuatara. Yeah. Broke the high-speed production well, destroyed car, it didn't they absolutely mullered it mm. with uh our friend ollie webb behind the wheel behind the wheel lunatic and then <laughs> so it's like okay this is bonkers yeah and you're watching the video and you're like this car is pulling at 330 miles an hour like 
my car at 60 miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was just blown away with the the exactly that just how it continued to pull but i was i was also super impressed with the whole production yeah when they had the planes the helicopters i was speaking to ollie whilst he was filming it and he was like honestly like my gopro is so minuscule in comparison (laughs) to the rest of the production for this but i'm like yeah anyone want my gopro like (laughs) so it was like a a proper hollywood style film so i'm waiting for because I think it was being filmed for a Netflix documentary. I think it was being filmed for something big. You might know more than me. That's that's all I know at the moment. Okay. And then yesterday, yeah, <laughs> fresh off the press, fresh off the press, <laughs> our friend Tim Shmi One Fifty, yeah, drops a video which is very on Tim like. Yeah. Well, actually, the best comment that I saw because obviously I was going through the comments yeah. was it was. Um, Rockin, AMG yeah, Rockin, yeah. said, for people that know, it's so nice to see Tim. <laughs> because everyone knows Shmi 150, reviewing cars, yeah. jumping in and out of cars and, and having an awesome time. But we know Tim, <laughs> the analytics yes, guy. Yes. And to see him just get into his his world was like so engaging and inspiring at the same time. Because you can see his brain actually work. Yeah, it was, it was so good. And so Tim, Shmi... Has put out a video yesterday. I'm sure people may have seen it, may not have seen it. It would seem to be doing quite well on the old views, mm. saying, did they really do 331 miles an hour? Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of just put the whole thing up in the air. because It, it really has. Because when they, when they released the uh, sort of press release that they'd achieved this, it was Top Gear, it was Autocar, it was every single news outlet automotive news outlet that shared the story so you kind of just take their word for it and their credibility as a brand or a media outlet to be like oh my god they did it with the video and everything but actually when you watch the shmi video and you see all of the details that tim would have seen you're like oh my god it raises a lot of questions that's it and i think the the video was done in a he did it in a really good way. It was really good. That is essentially like, I'm raising all of these questions. If you are putting out a video and you've said, this is a video of a car doing 330 miles an hour, mm. a lot of people have watched that video. A lot, Millions of people have watched that yeah. video. I'm going to look at it and I'm basically going to do some basic maths. Yeah. And we know where the road is. Yeah. We know the distances between certain points on the road. It is, it is quite basic analytics yeah. but then obviously the math that comes with that um then starts to disprove some of the footage and i think the one comment that i'm seeing quite a lot is that maybe they put the telemetry over the wrong run yes but then the laptop was in the seat showing show yeah so it's yeah we haven't had a response from ssc yet i think they've turned off comments oh really maybe also the internet <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, but i don't know i don't there has not been an official response presumably they are putting together their stuff and like something yeah. like top gear magazine they, they they were there weren't they 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 were there they basically verified it yeah and they've come you know they, so they said this is the record so yeah. it's not so it's quite a lot for them and i know obviously all of the people involved like mission and everyone yeah i think it's got all well, it was just running street tires wasn't it there yeah. wasn't anything in particular. I did um, some work with Mitchell in last year, around the time that we did the podcast mm. last year. 
And I did a lot of research into the Bugatti Chiron 300 mile mm. an hour plus, and they had to work with Michelin to basically build a specific tire that was that had carbon fiber within yeah. so that it would withstand those speeds. So to then just put some road tires on, like there's a bit no, heavier though. So the they Chiron. Can, yeah. 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 Oh, but, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, there was definitely a lot of... And with the Chiron run, I think they took something... I'm, I'm actually just going to pick a number, but they took something like 60 tyres and x-rayed them all and then picked four. Oh, wow. So they, they wanted every tyre to make sure it didn't have a defect. Yeah, yeah. But then and, on the flip, the Koenigsegg, when it broke all of those records in one day, used one set of Michelin tyres. Yeah. It was just a standard Michelin tyre. yeah. So and that was two hundred and eighty yeah miles an hour yeah which is an insane speed which is you an insane speed you wouldn't catch me getting in a but car clearly the SSC is insanely fast yeah there's no question about that yeah but there is there is now just a question mm. about whether it did the top speed I saw something today about what was someone talking about they were saying apparently SSC's video and Top Gear's video are slightly different oh really. So there's a possibility that SSC put a different video out. Yeah. And I don't know which video Tim used, but in one of them, when they're starting off, the speedos aren't aligned. So the one on the dash is not aligned with the, okay. the laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one of them starts at 16 miles an hour. Right. But then in the other one, which I think is the Top Gear one, they start at, at north the same and go time. together. And I think you can see some of the speedo yeah. in that one. But then my question on that one is, this is meant to be a production road car. Yeah. And I think the Speedo, in theory, gets up to the 330. But it's a production road car. Mm. And Speedos overread. True. By like 5%. Yeah. Which is a lot of miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, especially when you're breaking a record and you need it to be accurate. Yeah. So I think I was I was blown away with everything that Tim brought to the table. And I thought the way that he made that video as well was fascinating it was very good because you got to see just how intricate he is with anything he analyzes everything yeah yeah and it, i mean also fair play for him to actually upload that video i'm I not know. i'm not sure whether i would have if i had that information would you do, yeah would you firstly i would never be able to deliver the video <laughs> in the way that he delivered it i think i would probably stumble over my words and somehow like <laughs> accuse someone of something um but then it's another thing actually to share it and be completely impartial yeah because at the end of the day that's what we all try to be on youtube and be as honest and transparent yeah. as possible so for him to upload that you don't like, just want to be a hater yeah because that's not productive yeah but equally you want to be fair to everyone and i think by putting up that video you are being fair to everyone because yeah. all Absolutely. you said is the facts here are some facts based on this video if this is not the right video okay yeah show us the other video or whatever yeah and the things like the gearbox yeah He's definitely opened um, the floor for a response. And yeah. I think we probably will. And if we don't, then that's a response in itself. I think if, if there's just, no response... Yeah, we kind of... I think they'll lose a lot of orders. Yeah. Because we know, apparently, Bugatti lost a bunch of orders off the back of the new record. Really? Because there, there are going to be people out there that, are that like, just I want, want the fastest, the fastest car. car. And if you're going to buy that Bugatti special, whatever it was, the because 300, it's the fastest whatever, car, because it's the fastest car 
on the planet yeah. and it's no longer the fastest. Well, sure, surely, regardless, I mean, the record's going to get broken at some point. So yeah. what what happens? No, like, but if your order is in and you're like, you put a deposit down yeah. and they're like, oh, that's... that's I mean, it would be even worse if you just took, took delivery of it after <laughs> spending all that money and then it happened. You're like, ah, oh, what happens now? But you could say that was the first 300 mile an hour car. Exactly. Concord moment. First 300 mile an hour. I, I'm, they did what they did. First 300 mile an hour car that was a prototype that was only going in one direction. <laughs> yeah, it slightly takes away from the they back. Did, they yeah. didn't say anything other than that. Yeah. Like the, and I would love to see a customer car do, do 300. Do 300. Yeah. Um, but I'm also, I'm rooting for Koenigsegg to go and do a high-speed run. Which, if I was a betting man, I would probably put money on Koenigsegg doing it because why would they even roll the car out of the factory and go and do a speed test they run if it wasn't going to. They definitely want to do it. Yeah. And I know they've been, I think, that, I'm sure they're in the process of planning it. When I was talking to Christian the other day, you know, as you, <laughs> yeah, as as you, you do, do in this yeah. weird world, um, I was asking him about the gearing and the power and, and the stuff like that. Interestingly, those two cars have the same drag coefficient. The Koenigsegg? The Koenigsegg and the SSC. Okay. But then I've been since looking into this, and then you also need to know the frontal area. Yeah. basically like how how, how much, much air hits the, is yeah, hitting the yeah. front a Koenigsegg have published that number but SSC hasn't yeah. however the SSC does look slippery yeah it, does, um, it, it looks like it is literally designed for one thing but the Koenigsegg is geared to 330 and Christian reckoned it probably wouldn't get to 330 really yeah I mean I can't wait for when they drop Whatever, whatever they do. 350 <laughs> mofos. <laughs> but there's no video. Filmed from another Yesco Absolute. <laughs> By the way, how good do they sound? Oh. <laughs> like, we've been surrounded by this world of twin turbo V8s, which some of them sound better than others. Uh, you can look at the Merc AMGs and be like, oh, they sound like raspy yeah. and everything like that. I love how we've already got onto the sound of cars. Oh, um, totally valid. But uh, then you look at something like a, a McLaren 650S that doesn't sound anything like it. like dirt. <laughs> okay, you said that. Same with the 720S. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm calling it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fact. And then that video of the Esco going up the airfield, you're like, oh my God. That's what happened? Where did that yeah. come from? Yeah, I don't okay. know. If you are listening, just go and, I don't know, Google... Just go Instagram, isn't it? It's on Instagram somewhere. Yeah. If you are watching, I'll I'll put a clip over the top. Yeah. Because um, it just screams. It sounds absolutely bonkers, mm. and I think probably you probably I, I don't know. I, I had the same. I was watching it, and someone had sent it to me, and we were looking at something else, and then just suddenly went, "Whoa! Oh, hold on a minute! Yeah, hold on a minute! This sounds." sick yeah not like a twin turbo car going fast this sounds like a yeah proper a sounds pro- like a sort of hypercar like one car it's yeah, like what a, hypercar. A, what a hypercar should sound like and i think my experience actually in a bugatti chiron wait, o- wait. <laughs> opened my eyes to the sound of what a car could sound like when did you get to drive a chiron, or I didn't drive, a chiron? Uh, last year i went in as a passenger but i did experience it pretty is this on like roads? Yeah, on roads. Sadly, no track. Uh, there were speed limits, 
Uh, but I still, I still got a, a very good experience of the sound and the acceleration up to seventy miles an hour. And what's that car like? Uh, like it really made me want to work harder to be able to one day have a Bugatti Chiron <laughs> because when it gets into those cars, it's very hard to. Um, uh, relate to them tangibly to be like one day I'm gonna own a Kernig yeah. Zeg or one day I'm gonna have a so LaFerrari Aperta yeah. because of the the pricing um, is just next level. But the Bugatti Chiron, for for whatever reason, I just felt like if I had that money, we all dream about winning the yeah. lottery. I think that would be the one car that would just sit in my garage forever. Because I think last time you were on the podcast, that was that was still the oh was at it the time that was the oh, yeah. the apex. Yeah, for me, um, for me, which is weird because I love all of these screaming V12s, but there's something about weird. the Chiron where I just think it looks so cool without having to go that fast. Mm. And it just, yeah, it carries this aura A friend of mine, uh, a guy called Jerome, might be listening, might not, um, he <laughs> went along to one of these dealer track days in, I think, Germany. Okay. And they brought along a Chiron and some other mad stuff. And he got to drive it around a track. Oh, wow. Um, Did he say it was any good around a track? He said it was unbelievably impressive. Really? As like a car. Yeah. And I think he's since got to drive it on the road. He just came back and he's, he's, he likes the same sort of stuff I like. Yeah. He likes manual cars, high screaming V12s or whatever. Yeah. And he came back and was like, this Chiron is something else. Yeah. Like it's just completely different. Yeah. And I think that's the best way. Cool. Yeah, that is the best way to describe it because it isn't like it's like nothing else, and the road presence that it has. But also, I think it's notoriety in the car world. But also, just generally, you don't have to be a car person to be able to identify Bugatti. Mm. I think everyone knows, and lockdown proved that for me. The amount of online quizzes that you do <laughs> with family on Zoom and everything like that, and these questions come up, and it's like, "What is the fastest production car in the world?" And everyone just goes Bugatti. Yeah, they just go Bugatti. They've held that record. Yeah, and then there's some car nerds like, "Eh, no, it's entering crazy." Would you remember that time going back to the SSC when the SSC Aero TT? broke the Bugatti yes. record and like no one accepted it they're like no I'm, like, I'm just not having that I can't pronounce S-S-E-R-O-T I'm like, it was a Bugatti yeah oh it's mad yeah but I mean fast cars are a different level to what I think we are exposed to on a daily basis totally. and, um, the, and that level because uh who is it that American YouTuber who's just unbelievably hyperactive well, actually a lot of them are um, <laughs> who has a Veyron. Uh, the Stradman. The Stradman. Just, just got one. He did a video with the Tuatara. You see that? I, uh, I haven't. Uh, so he did, um, they went to an airfield and they did drag pulls. R- what, Veyron versus? Veyron versus SSC. And, and it's like, see ya. What, the Veyron? <laughs> the SSC's just gone. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Veyron is now what? Nearly oh, six, 16 years old. 16 years old. Which means it's got 16-year-old tyre technology on. Oh, and, and it's heavy in horsepower. Well, it's just a very fast Bentley Continental GT, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> very, very fast. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Audi R8. <laughs> With a W16. <laughs> w16. I mean, that would be cool. All I dream about 
is wedging massive engines into cars that they shouldn't fit into. Oh, totally. Just be like, oh, I'd love to see a V12 in a Hurricane. Yes. Or an 812 engine in a 458. Yes. I mean, I know Ferrari kind of did a V12 in a 458, didn't they? But they I did. I don't think it ever... They did. It was... Saw owned, a road. Who was it owned by? It's owned by that, um, that Italian dude. Yes. Who I haven't seen in a while. Who has all of the cars. Yeah. Reg B. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Whatever his yeah. real name is. yeah. He, uh, I remember seeing him at Cars and Coffee um, Brescia mm. in his MC12 F50 or like just like silly cars. And yeah, and he had that or he had commissioned this. Prototype. Yeah. No, I think he bought the prototype. Okay. The V12 458. Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I bet it's like a bit weird to drive. Like weight and stuff, but, but uh, terrifying. Engine. <laughs> terrifying, I think. Oh, speaking of V12s, did you see that 812 video? <laughs> is this the eight twelve video where someone was pooling around town with traction off? Someone's pooling around town in London <laughs> in winter with traction control off, drives over a bridge and uh, crashes into the bridge. <laughs> and I think the video that I saw, because obviously it got shared multiple times, yeah. the top comment on that was like, is this normal? It didn't look like he was doing that much. <laughs> As if like terrified of rear-wheel drive V12 Ferraris. But... The thing is, Ferrari made the A12 so much more usable than the F12, which was twitchy. And I remember driving the A12 around Fiorano. I went out to do the press trip. It was actually the first and last Ferrari press trip I've ever done. (laughs) That's a good one to go. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, actually. Um, We got to drive it on the road and we got to do the the Fiorano track of the car. Oh, the car's car's amazing. Um, The car's amazing. I nearly crashed it. Around Fiorano, oh. uh, which was terrifying. I imagine that is quite ter- <laughs> and it, for all of the reasons. Yeah, but in the press briefing, they're like, "Yeah, fiddle around with traction; it will always catch you." I mean, it did catch me. Otherwise, I would have been like on my roof. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it was still terrifying because you have to remember that no matter what they say about how much technology is in the car, it's still eight hundred brake horsepower exactly. to the rear wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and so, when I watched that video, I was like, "Ah, first mistake: traction off." Like, I, what do you, do you think I, was going to happen? I don't understand that decision. Yeah. I love that videos like, I mean, it's unfortunate for the driver, but I love you, that videos like that exist every yes, now and then because yes. it puts people back in the, you do realise it's got 800 <laughs> horsepower. It's, the engine's in the front, so there's <laughs> yeah. no weight over the back. And they're not that big, those tyres. No. And it's, it was cold. I'm sure those tyres yeah. were cold. Well, it was like it was quite dark, so it was either early morning or late at night. Yeah. So it was definitely um, not peak temperature. And there was that was it. I watched him and I was like, "How the hell did that happen?" Mm. And you're like, "Okay, well, obviously he should have kept his foot in it, but <laughs> but he clearly wasn't aware of <laughs> what was going to happen and yeah. what was going to happen. Otherwise, he wouldn't have done it in the first place. Possibly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, possibly." Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, okay, right, let's nerd out on this a bit. Let's look at the Manatino switch and it's like full to the right. And you hear the wheels rev up and it yeah. just is very clean yeah. to the red line. Absolutely nothing stops it. But what I also love is he's, he's like somehow got, I don't know, Snapchat glasses on or yeah. a GoPro on he's his head. GoPro strapped to his head. He's obviously like turned it on to be like, this is going to be sick. <laughs> to show his mates of him power sliding over Battersea Park Bridge or whatever and ending up uh, nearly going into the Thames. Hey guys, watch this. And still downloading it off the memory card 
and then send it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he's going to get insurance payout. Presumably. I guess you're still insured, even if you ESC off. I don't know why. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't you should know. Be, you should yeah, be yeah, insured. Yeah. Um, but presumably somewhere there's pictures of this car now. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything yet. No. I mean, but it was entertaining enough. But it did. I, I 100% had that reaction of like, because at the moment I'm really considering about getting an F12. Okay. Epic. I've wanted a V12 and I feel like the Ferrari V12 is a very good V12. Yeah. Um, whether it'll happen, I don't know. But, and then I was like, oh shit, maybe I, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's too much car for me. I don't know. <laughs> so weirdly, my Lamborghini Murcielago has um, been on the channel for like two, two and a half years. I cannot stay away from Auto Trader. And I think you experienced this firsthand when I first bought my Gallardo. Mm. When we went down to the south of France, I'd had that car for less than a month. <laughs> and I was already looking at what I could straight swap it for. Yeah. I was like, well, I paid that much for it. What other car can I get instead? <laughs> Not because I was bored of the car, but just because I was interested, in, 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 interested to try something else. So naturally... I spend a lot of time on Auto Trader looking at what Murcielago's are priced at and looking at what I can get for that mm. money. And I look at F12s and I'm like, mm, yeah, it would be quite cool to have a V12 Ferrari, seeing as I've done the V12 Lambo and compare the difference. Two totally different cars. I then think exactly the same thing. I'm like, I've not got enough talent <laughs> to control an F12, to, to be anywhere close to the limit of that car. Because obviously I'd want to make it sound better than it does yeah. stock. But then you've got to get to 8,500 RPM to hear it. Yeah. And at that point, I mean, I'm definitely going to die. <laughs> <laughs> so then I go and look at FFs. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, actually, that's quite a cool idea. But then I think it's quite ugly. I, yes. So then I, much. <laughs> then I look at Lusso's and I'm like, that's quite cool. But then I also re- realise that they're 170 grand and I still think they've got a way to drop. Yeah, you're similar money to an F12. Yeah. And an F12 looks like an F12. Yeah. Not as modern as a Lusso. No, the, I was actually impressed with the interior of the Lusso because I had one for, I think I had one for about four days and I literally daily drove it. Yeah. Um, it terrified me how expensive that car cost yeah, to live to with. Run, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can't help but have it in the bumpy road mode setting and use it as a daily driver and have so much space and practicality yeah. and then flick it to a sports car and have the V12 soundtrack, that gearbox and everything that f- makes it a Ferrari. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, actually, that's quite a cool package. It's an incredibly compelling package. Yeah. Especially when we look at where we are in time mm. of when, how long, well, the Lusso yeah. discontinued. Really? Yeah. Oh. Got discontinued this year. So does that mean that the amount that is out there now is going to stay at that amount? And yes, because s- they're now making the four by four, and they've it's a replacement of the Lusso. It's not. Oh wow, yeah. And then everything's going to so become maybe four now by four. is quite a good time to buy a Lusso. Mm. Let's wait till winter. <laughs> Let's wait till the depths of January. I mean, we're getting. We're getting I know, but for some reason, I feel like January is a really good time to buy these stupid sports time. car because people are looking to sell them. Everyone's trying to sell them. Supply demand, yeah. and then as April creeps in and the sun starts to come out, price go up. Price goes back up. Yeah, mm. there's so many cars that, that you could do that with. Buy in January, sell four months later. 
Yeah. And like make a little bit of money. Yeah. Or at least get free motoring. Or at least get free motoring. That's like best case scenario. Yeah, because you've got to pay your fuel bill, I guess. Yeah. Fuel, <laughs> fuel, there are a few things that, that come with buying a car like that, like insurance that freaks me out. Yeah. But, but yeah. Stacks up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but if you can get in and out of a car. And- there, there is a very compelling thing about modern ish Ferraris, though. The seven year free servicing and maintenance. Is it five years servicing or seven? I think it's seven. It's seven years. Yeah. Free servicing and maintenance and whatever. Warranty. Warranty. Yeah. Which is unreal. If you, all if you, you pay think for of, is tyres and fuel. Yeah. And if insurance. You, if you think about where Ferrari were pre-430. Yeah. And everything was just kind of falling apart as and the you look glue at melted. other high-end manufacturers, someone like McLaren, for mm. example. Mm. If, even Lambo. Even Lambo. Yeah. If, if, yeah, because Lambo bills are... Really expensive. Like, as, yeah. as a normal service on a Lambo is quite a bit more than a normal service and kind of any other supercar, really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, for for fundamentally... I mean, I watched my Mercedes-Argo get serviced, and the service box that arrives from Lamborghini, there is not a Lamborghini badge on any of the oil, anything that goes into the cars. It's all Skoda, VW, yeah. Audi, and you're like, oh, is that, is that really going in that car? I was like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I was like... So is the same is the service in the same price as Skoda? <laughs> no. <laughs> Anu. <laughs> They've done this thing where we have to remove the entire car to service it. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we've got to take the engine out. What why? Yeah. <laughs> and the gearbox. Because they didn't a, design it so good. Yeah. Yeah. Literally the the amount of stuff that I think Lamborghini forgot about when they were building the Murcielago. I mean they definitely forgot seat belts. They definitely yeah. forgot the reverse. They just, <laughs> you just think, I mean, the entire interior is built around the gearbox. Yeah. And then at that point, you're like, did they even think about the interior? Because <laughs> you're facing there, but your steering wheel's there. <laughs> yeah, there's a solid, like, 20 degrees <laughs> yeah, offset yeah. between where you should be going and where you're <sighs> facing. That's actually, I've got a bit of a hip problem at the moment, actually. Come to think Have of it. You've been driving that car a lot? Yeah, recently. You need what you need to do is when you're at the desk, you need to rotate the other way. Yeah, and offset, then just like cross, and then offset. <laughs> like this. How is uh, how is that, Carl? Um, at the moment, at the time of this podcast, it's not driving. It's not driving. No. So why not? Where we were this time last year, it was probably just going in for its paint restoration. Yeah, I think so. So it was probably stripped down to its bare metal. There wasn't any doors on it. But thankfully, there are doors on it now. The car has been painted. It's been PPF'd and uh, where I'd had the car off the road for 12 months, I was terrified because these cars need to be driven. Mm. That all of the general seizing up of components in a 10-year-old Lamborghini having not driven for 12 months was all going to start coming to fruition the moment <laughs> I drove it. So I drove it over to HRO and Lamborghini Pangborn. They serviced the car. Everything was fine. It looked like everything was ironed out. I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. The one thing they said to me, they were like, this coolant pipe is in a position where it shouldn't be. So you just make sure like that gets sorted. But at the same time, we probably could replace it. I was like, don't worry. I'm really not driving it. Mm. Um, because I was starting to prepare it to get yeah. it up for sale. And then the opportunity came where I could take it up to Scotland to join uh, the Nissan GTR and the BMW M2 as a three-way epic road trip. And I was like, 
Okay, one last hurrah. <laughs> Come on, like one more drive in the Lambo. It's been painted. Let me enjoy it one last time. Let me hear the engine and uh, let me just go and drive it. And so I trucked it up to Scotland and about, I'm going to say five miles. It was not long. I reckon we were about 15 minutes into the drive. I just fueled it up and this um, coolant hose just went bang. I didn't hear anything. But Sam, who was in the car behind, was just like frantically flashing me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I reckon there was a massive flame. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, like, my GoPro's recording. This is just the best. This is so sick. <laughs> I think that's the exact phrase I used. Um, and then I soon realized that actually it was a little bit more serious than that. So I just pulled over, engine off. I like flicked the battery off and I just started to see all of the stuff dripping out. S- stuff dripping out. I was like, oh, my God, this is not what I wanted. But at the same time, the cameras are on. Like, this actually could lend itself quite interesting mm. to the episode because for two years, that car has been bulletproof. I had one engine warning light, which was a fuel injector, which cost me about £95 plus yeah. fat to fix. It's been so good. And then to have this one last trip, get up to Scotland, <laughs> be so excited for it, day one. And then basically, we had our plan set out for those 48 hours. We had two videos we needed to shoot. We knew exactly what we were going to be doing. And then within 10 minutes, all those plans got wiped out the window because the Lamborghini was on the back of a trailer and headed back towards London. I was like, ah, oh, this is... So we went, to, we went and got lunch and um, sort of reset ourselves, came up with another plan. And, uh, well, hopefully when this podcast has gone live, the videos will be live as well. Yeah. So you'll be able to see how we re- resurrected the, the videos that we originally had planned. And, and, yeah, but the Lambo is now good. And I'm pretty sure... It's uh, it's going to go up for sale, not because I want to sell it, but because it doesn't fit it's into time. its time. It doesn't fit into any plans now for 2021. Because I think when you were on the podcast last, you'd basically, you were you were sort of at that. You were like, yeah, okay, it's going to get painted, and then I'm probably going to sell it. Yeah, the the two reasons for that, firstly, is it's it's emotionally ticked a box for me. I've owned my dream car. I'm happy with that. And also, I'm not rich enough to just own it. It mm. is part of my business. So if it's not earning me any money or it's losing me money, it's also a reason f- to get rid of it. Yeah. But also, the paint restoration and that general project was such an interesting thing to film that it got to the point where the car was at such a beautiful condition that I feel like I probably couldn't look after it the way that it needed to be looked after. It needs a garage. It needs to be yeah. in a collection. It needs to be properly maintained and looked after. Um, and I felt like I got it to that position to then pass it on to someone else for yeah. them to enjoy either <laughs> statically or dynamically, whatever they wanted to do yeah. with it. So yeah, now I'm at that point. It, it kind of sucks that my last drive was that trip in Scotland. But at the same time, I think the video's are made better yeah. because of what happened. It's part of the story. Yeah. I felt like I was on like a Top Gear set, like when I just saw this coolant dripping out, but I was looking you around. You are lucky you stayed on the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, that, at that time, I, like, I didn't know what it was, but um, when we all pulled up, I was like trying to smell it. I was like trying to touch it to work out what it was. I couldn't work out what it was. Yeah. I'm not an engineer or a mechanic. It's not fuel. It's definitely not fuel. Um, and it wasn't like blue, yeah. like a normal coolant was cause Sam, um, had had a, a similar experience with another car and he was like, oh, it doesn't look like coolant. Like, are you sure that's not fuel? Is like gearbox oil? What is yeah. it? 
I was like rubbing my foot over it, trying to work out whether it was slippery. <laughs> it was not, none of that. Like I thought I was like driving away from that going, somehow my car's just got water in it. Yeah. And I couldn't work out what it was, but uh, SBS. Best said, Lambo service for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, literally. Uh, SB, <laughs> SB were like, yeah, it's, uh, it's coolant. And I was like, okay, fine. At least it's not a massive. And where did it come out of? Just the engine area? Yeah, just just the, just the bottom, like really far in, but um, right at the bottom. So I, when I was like looking under the car, I could just see it dripping. So nowhere like near your wheels. No, no. Because I had a moment in my GT3. Mm. Um, it had been back to Porsche West London to have a service, and they're like, "Oh, uh, under warranty, we need to change the coolant pipes at the front." It's a, th- it's a sort of well-known thing on those cars. Uh, if you talk to someone like Sharkworks, they're like, oh, you should change the rubber or plastic ones for metal ones and then you'll never have the problem again. Yeah. Whatever. Engine out, fix the staff or whatever they need to do. And then the first drive after that, I'm on a motorway. I, thank God it was on a motorway. And I was just sort of messing around. At, like low speed, it was completely empty. I think we were just doing like little pulls from like genuinely from like 40. Yeah. Um, against another car we were going somewhere and then suddenly the car just goes like really quite sideways really like really quite sideways oh wow and, and i was like i sort of caught it and carried, carried on and whatever and was like what the was that and the guy behind was like flash 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 flash, yeah. flash, flash and we pulled over and yeah and it had just dumped all the coolant from the front oh. but it just like well, is it either, I don't know where it come out from but it basically went straight under the rear wheels yeah 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 i think i was lucky because where it was oppositioned it it literally just left a really thin line because mm. you could see it all the way down the road yeah. um and i was like yeah i gen- i genuinely thought my car was gonna go up in flames but sb have now said like i mean that pipe was on the car probably from new yeah so if you think about what rubber does over 10 yeah. years like they're eventually gonna go and I think the most important thing was how quickly I stopped and Turned managed to get off, everything yeah. off. That they literally are just like, we're just going to put a new pipe on and we're going to make sure that it is as fresh as it possibly can be. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, at least I don't have to have an engine gearbox out and, yes. and, and have things replaced. You haven't overheated and blown stuff up. Yeah, because the dials like didn't even like read anything astronomical. It, everything looked and felt normal. There was no noise. There was no bang. There but was possibly... Five, five minutes later, it would have not looked so normal. Could have been a big problem because I've seen how expensive a uh, 6.5 litre V12 <laughs> Merchelaga engine is if I needed to replace one. <laughs> <laughs> I'd need another finance agreement for the engine. <laughs> for a car that doesn't work yet, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's scary, those sorts of things. And it does... Well, I had another one recently. Oh, it was the front splitter. On the GT3. Mm. Um, front splitter is like a consumable part on those cars, a bit of plastic. Yeah. Um, it's like a couple of hundred pounds. And it was wearing really low. Someone checked it, said it was low. I was like, do I need to replace it? Because I know it's not expensive. Yeah. And it's been on the car for a long time. So let's just do it. They're like, nah, it's fine. I was like, okay, well, what happens when it wears out? They're like, oh, it just falls off. It's fine. <laughs> doesn't just fall off and <laughs> yeah. it's definitely not fine. What, <laughs> what happens is it comes off and then it tucks under the front of the car, rips itself through the front bumper. So it basically like slots in the front bumper in loads of little slots. And when it rips out, it rips all, all the way it. through. Oh my God. And it's like new front bumper time. Jesus. Which is like five grand. 
plus PPF. And then all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus PPF. It's always like, so it's rather than plus tax, plus tax, plus PPF. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whoever is advising you to be like, nah, it's fine, just leave it on for another few hundred miles. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite annoyed with that person. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't good chat. But you, over time, you learn these things. Like, yeah, and when also, something's not right, you're like, okay, just make it right. Now. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the that's probably the message that we can give to anyone. We're talking about sort of, shall we call them modern? We can call them modern classics. Modern right? classics. Yeah, like they are kind of older than some of the more modern cars yeah. uh, that you can just sort of dump back at the showroom that you bought it from. Be like, fix it. Yeah, these cars are slightly more, bit more on you. Yeah, um, and a little bit more delicate. So. The one thing that I learned right from the word go with Mercilago ownership is if you get uh, even like a vibration or even if a light isn't showing, get it checked out because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and then your bill's just going to get exponentially more expensive. (laughs) 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 So yeah, but that car has been, it has been a really, really cool tool, but also a major tick in the box in terms of like my life. So to go i'm 30 in january and to kind of go into my 30s and be like yeah like i've, I've had a mercia largo is, is cool i might still own it in january i kind of hope i don't <laughs> <laughs> i'd like someone to buy it um but at the same time if i go into if i go into the 30s and and still have my dream car then it's still yeah, cool. cool it's cool yeah it's still cool yeah so recently you bought another you've got another car you've got a, a gtr i have i have actually before the GTR, let's wind back a bit. Yeah. I think last time you were here, we were just starting to talk about the 458. Mm, yeah. Um, Interesting project. What happened with that? So the 458 was going to be a really cool project where it was like base spec. I've never seen a Ferrari with like the, this minimal amount of options ticked. Mm. And Eurospares obviously have this massive warehouse of carbon fiber, all OEM stuff, like used new Ferrari parts. So we were just going to kit this car out, carbon bucket seats, new wheels, going to stick carbon all over the interior. We put the exhaust on, put some tires on, and it was just going to be a cool project of almost having a car, a ready-made car that we were specking in front of ourselves yeah. and doing. Um, but COVID hit. This was we got the car in December. It got to about February. I'd taken it. The PPF had been removed. The wrap had been removed. And I remember I was at NVN when I got the call from Eurospares, and they're like, "We need the car back." And I was like, "Ah, oh, but what about all of this content? What about all this stuff." Yeah, and they were like, "Where we are as a company." everything that we've got planned has basically been torn up, thrown out the window. And I was just heading out to Dubai and I said, well, the car's at NVN. So if you want to grab the car and do what you want with it, like tuck it away, fine. But it would still be cool to revisit it or like do something again. And I think they've just sort of like got their heads down and and cracked on because the thing with lockdown, especially with their business, which is Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, like Mm. no one was driving cars. No one was even tinkering, getting ready for the spring and the summer. So I don't know really what happened. I'd be speculated if I said anything, but they kind of just like became quite quiet with the whole project, which is a shame because the whole thing was, was, yeah, it was really exciting. I know we talked about, uh, potentially importing something in from the yeah. Middle East a few times. And I was like, I just want to do it again. Like, it was cool to see the car on a on a shipping container and then see it in the UK yeah. and drive it around with the Arab plates for a little bit. And it was all really, really cool. But yeah, shame that it got cut short. 
and never saw the car again. Don't even oh. know where it is. Or my exhaust. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Give my exhaust back, man. Just get back. Oh, so that car will be somewhere driven by someone. Yeah. I don't in, even know if it's still in, in the base UK. Spec. Base spec. Base spec 458. Why... So in the random auto trader searches that mm. I've been doing on F12s and stuff like that, yeah, you come across. What did I? There's a okay. There's an F12 for sale at the moment, a blue one that is one of the anniversary cars. Okay, um, so it's listed at three hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look at the spec, and the interior has no carbon. Really? No carbon. Is it because it's this historic? No. Nah. No, I don't just, know. I don't know. Didn't Whoever made that it. decision yeah. made a really bad decision. Because <laughs> like, you look at those cars and as sort of weird as it is, I'm not one for like throwing carbon around everywhere when it doesn't really do anything and like yeah. kind of whatever really. It's a nice to have. It's a nice to have thing. But you look at those interiors yeah. and the plastic looks so naff. Yeah, in comparison. And I think Ferrari carbon fibre driving zone is like an option that Ferrari dealerships almost tell customers yeah. to spec because it gets to this point when they're looking at reselling them and you've got people like yourself and me look, yeah. just like looking and getting a little bit nosy and immediately just being turned off and uh, no carbon. Yeah. Because it, you look at it and you go, yeah, there oh. is one for the same price that has it. Yeah. And why would I... Like, these cars are so expensive that you want the entire experience to feel... Exactly. Nice, exactly. if it can. It doesn't make the car more valuable as resale. It just makes it more desirable. That's yeah. the one thing that I've picked up. So having a nicely specced car and tastefully done, because I think you can get really bad carbon options on any car. Totally. Yeah. But I think Ferraris in particular need that steering wheel and centre console carbon to make it feel like it's a proper Ferrari. Yeah. Um, not putting down people that are driving around Ferraris that don't have the carbon zone, but it just doesn't look as good. It, does, it doesn't look as good. Yeah. Personal preference and whatever, but yeah. generally accepted by people uh, around. Yeah. It, it looks nicer. Yeah. Which is, I think, the same. Porsche have their own specific options that I feel like you probably should have. Yeah. Same with Lamborghini. I know they've got like their branding packs that Lamborghini... Lamborghini basically don't put badges on it on their car, and you have to pay for the little Lamborghini badge above the glove box or the little Lamborghini headrest on the seats. And it's like, if you don't spec it, you don't get it, all right? Don't get a Lamborghini if you don't pay for the extra badges. Yeah. Oh. But, I mean, the jokes that are around on these highly expensive cars where it's like, oh, I mean, look at Koenigsegg, look at Pagani and their optional, li- optional <laughs> extra list. Yes. Would you like an uh, an 812 in options? <laughs> what does that get me? It gets you a nice interior. <laughs> a different coloured stitch. Yeah. Or you can have the, whether it's McLaren or anyone, you can have the exterior of a car, which is already carbon, invisible <laughs> yeah, carbon. Yeah. How much? Double the price of the car. <laughs> yeah. But what's mental is Bugatti's exposed carbon is 250,000 euros for that. Yeah. Um, for them not to paint the car. We know why, because obviously the carbon weave has to be perfect throughout. Yeah, it's and a lot more effort. Yeah, they can throw on any carbon really and yeah. paint over it and it's fine. Pagani... Bare carbon on a wire of roadster that I saw was £900,000 <laughs> for a bare carbon finish on your Fagani Rose. It was like 900 grand. Like 99.8% of cars are cheaper than just not painting that one. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I think they're making up some, some prices now. Horatio 
is well known for making up prices. <laughs> yeah, but like, the cars look beautiful. The cars so he gets cool. away with it. He's an artiste. He's an artiste. <laughs> and if you're friends with him, maybe the price is less. <laughs> if he doesn't know you or thinks you've got a bigger budget, maybe the price is more. I'm pretty sure that happens, guys. That happens. You'd like to upgrade your base spec c12 s to 760 it's <laughs> gonna cost uh, for you sir five million euros <laughs> sold <laughs> yeah yes. <laughs> <laughs> people people pay they do and i wonder whether like at the end of the day and they've done the deal where they just go oh, i can't believe you did that i can't believe you went for it <laughs> what a what a result I accidentally put a note on there <laughs> <laughs> I'd, you, I'd love to uh, there should be reality tv shows just so that we can see just <laughs> how these manufacturers operate not so that we can get their secrets but i would love it if like someone's like oh my god i accidentally put a zero on the end of it but yeah he still signed it like it still signed the contract like all the ones we see with like mps and stuff like that yeah, it would yeah, be great it, it would, would it's like yeah. a car nerdy turf person just as an insight these competitions oh yeah and oh it is it's so funny and it's mad yeah, but people pay, and it's ultimately they get if they can, if someone pays, yeah, well then do it, then fine, yeah, 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 and possibly let's say with your your Koenigsegg or your Pagani, your your nine hundred thousand <laughs> euro option on your Pagani, because not many people are going to take that option because it's stupidly expensive. Yeah, you're sort of investing in the possibly I wouldn't do this but you never know in the value of your car in the future because mm. it might be the only one yeah in bare carbon that's true now if it's just bare black carbon and the whole car is bare black carbon personally i think it looks naff mm. I, I don't like it weirdly it looked quite good on the pagani i was actually going to say that mm, you know, because um it was beautiful and normally, you're right, I think a car looks better painted with maybe a little bit of exterior carbon, like a little carbon exterior front spitter. Or you can have coloured carbon. That still looks cool. Uh, yeah. I quite like blue-tinted carbon. Mm. I think that's my favourite. Yeah. Um, I've seen green. I've seen... Actually, brown look quite good. Do you remember the um, the Bugatti Supersport Rembrandt edition, I think is what it was called? <laughs> Just uh, another one of the, those <laughs> yeah, cars. Yeah, but it was, it, was, it was brown carbon and it looked awesome. And yeah, like, that was quite cool. Yeah, like to get into the, the position where you're actually going to tint £250,000 carbon on a £2.5 million car in brown <laughs> and get away with it, I think is like respectful to the guys that yeah, actually came up with that idea. Very cool mm. and like fair play. It's, yeah, it's mad. Mm. But it works on some cars and it doesn't work on others. Yeah. Like, like if someone just takes a car and does it all one colour. Mm. Like, oh, I want this to be yellow. And the entire car is yellow. I like diffuser and all. Some cars, like like my old 911. Yeah. You can pretty much put those in any colour. And, and it looks cool. small enough and it, it looks cool. Yeah. Whereas if you did that on a Rolls-Royce Phantom, <laughs> you might be like... Okay, let's do a different color roof, or yeah, a different let's color bonnet, bit, or yeah. just do these elements. And certain cars have intakes and things like that, yeah, that break up the color, yeah, and it doesn't look. Well, I was actually talking to Archie Hamilton about his Audi RS6 wrap, mm. and obviously that car is quite new. Isn't this car black? It was black. Was it now? A khaki, like a military khaki. Okay, um, which does look quite cool. I was talking to him 
because obviously when you're looking at changing the color of a car, you try and find as many examples as inspiration as possible. So he was sending me Lamborghini Urus photos of all of these wacky colors that people had wrapped yeah. out in the States. And I was like, you've got to remember that the RS6 is a totally different car to the yeah. Urus. The Urus has got these really sharp lines, like wheel arches in different colors, big, big wheels. And just the general shape of it is totally different. So what might look good on a Urus might not necessarily look good on the yeah. RS6. And he was like, oh, yeah, but like, what about this? And he just kept sending me <laughs> Urus photos <laughs> because that's all the people out in the States have been wrapping in like crazy colours. And uh, he nearly went down the route of something that thankfully he turned away from, went down the khaki route, which I do think looks quite nice on the car. Yeah, But yeah, there were some wacky, wacky choices. But you're right. Everything is spec dependent, which, yeah, you've got to get it right. Because if you get it wrong, I suppose a wrap is, is temporary. And but. then it's, some people love some people love their specs that make me want to throw up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, oh, I just started having all of these images thrown into my of, brain. Of various. Just all of this stuff I've seen on Instagram. I'm like, I mean, who, who made this choice? <laughs> and then... You, know, you then get back to that point of like, well, I hope you never want to suffer. <laughs> there are a few of them in the UK that I know of. Uh, but there are people out there. I mean, look, everyone's different. Everyone has their own taste. Everyone has their own opinions. And the world would be boring if everyone was the same. Totally. And I totally respect the people that do just go completely wacky and go, well, I just don't care about selling it. And you're like, yeah. oh, fair play. Yeah, because there are a lot of people out there that do play it safe, that do just spec red with cream on a Ferrari and be like, "Yeah, I'll have it for a year and then I'll sell it and get something." Yeah, else. what are you gonna do? I'm gonna do Rosso Corsa, Kramer interior, <laughs> a bit of carbon. <laughs> like, yeah, it looks nice, but there's, there's it, no actually yeah. Rosso Corsa. No, yeah, that's no. done. That's I'd never. Just, I'd, I don't it's think not I'd a good it. paint color. No, no. I don't. I don't. I don't really like it. I think it looks good on some Ferraris. Like I think it looks good on the Enzo. But I think then a lot of better colours. I was just, literally, yeah. I was going to say, I think it looks nice on car, on cars, but I would just never have a red Ferrari. Um, not because I'm not a Ferrari fan. I'd actually quite like some Ferraris. Can I just say that in the podcast? Because I know a lot of people just think I hate Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think people think I hate Ferrari a little bit, and with uh, one, <laughs> with a blue one. <laughs> but I do, and I do. I think less it's, so as time goes on, but I definitely had a hatred of some of the things that they did. Yes. As a company, yeah. th- some of the things they do are quite questionable and I think a lot of it gets swept under the rug. And I'd quite like to see a Shmi 150 video of him. You know what would be the best series ever? <laughs> would just be like, Tim, tell the truth. <laughs> we're going to start with each manufacturer and we're going to go through just it. Just give us some stories. Because I think we've all heard stories from owners. We've all of heard... every manufacturer. Every manufacturer. Every manufacturer. and Some more um, than others. Yeah. And Ferrari, I think, have particular ways of running the company, which sometimes is questionable, the way that they order their customers, the way that yeah. they sort of push cars through with bigger specs and all of that sort of stuff. And if you've never bought one before, you're just at the bottom of the list. Like, Yeah. They do, though. Make good they, cars. They do make <laughs> quite good cars. They also, they have a system now. Oh, is this their Ferrari points the point system. system? Yeah. For if you want a special car, mm. you get points based mm. on what you bought and whatever. And at least at that point, if that is what actually is the case, mm. and you go, you want to buy this super crazy special car, you need to have bought this, this, this. 
Oh, you've got and, enough points. And then you've got enough points and they do it. It's when it's sort of on Thursday, you might have an allocation. On Saturday, you might not have an allocation. It just <laughs> yeah, depends on whether who comes in decides. between. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I don't think getting these sorts of cars is anywhere near as hard as it used to be. It was four years ago. I think I think that's partly because production numbers have gone up. Like if you look at where Speciali Aperta was versus yeah. Pista, like there's just so many pieces out so there. So many pieces. Um, if you look at like the Mercy SV. And then you look at the Aventador SV and then you look at SVJ. Aren't there like more Aventador SVs and SVJs than Aventadors? Something like that. I think uh, there are definitely more SVs and SVJs than Aventador S's. Right. But they made a lot of Aventadors. Yeah, in the before those cars came out. Yeah, yeah. But I just think production numbers have gone up. I think manufacturers are realising that there were a lot of speculators out there that wanted to take advantage mm. of these limited cars that could potentially earn them 30, 40, 50,000 pounds, maybe even more in mm. some cases. And we saw it. I mean, I remember like Ferrari F12 when it came out, the early cars that appeared on Auto Trader were trading for way over what the list spec yeah. was. Um, so there were a lot of people out there that were cashing in that wasn't the manufacturers. And I just think the manufacturers now are like, actually, that should be our profit, which I think is fair enough. I think it's fair enough. And I don't, I don't, they are now a victim of their own success in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Ferrari is still just about holding on. Just yeah. about. And I think Porsche are as well. And Porsche. Yeah, Porsche. Yeah, they're a different league. They're just different. I know. I've, I'm actually falling in love with Porsche. Probably the last time that I was on this podcast, I would have said something totally different about Porsche. <laughs> just because, like, they're very everyday. Yeah, you'd be like, yeah. Yeah. Bit boring. But now I'm really starting to get the bug um, and I can't shake it off. I think it's quite deep. Mm. it just gets in and just borrows yeah do you know what really turned a corner for me is when i spent time down at nvn and i started oh. to see new porsches come in versus new ferraris <laughs> new lamborghinis new mclarens and i started to see the build quality the general quality of the car yeah the paint and just how porsche allowed all of their cars to roll off the production line with their quality control versus the likes of ferrari and mclaren Ferrari, McLaren, Aston, like literally everyone. Yeah, yeah. Not, not quite everyone, but... Uh, yeah. That was... Uh, I remember talking to uh, the Topaz guys. Yeah. And going to talk to someone that details cars, about cars, you learn a lot yeah. about manufacturers, especially these companies that sort of take them apart of it and put them back together. Yeah. Because they get to have a look at them underneath yeah, yeah. and they start to get to know who does stuff well. And for Topaz, I was like, is there anyone that's head and shoulders above the, above the rest? And then it was like, Bugatti. Oh, really? Like, Chiron's turn up perfect. Yeah. Like, they don't need any correction or anything. Which, but it also you'd you understand. sort of expect that. On, on cars of that value, mm. you're like, if if it's a thousand pounds to detail it, to make it look perfect. Yeah. You, you'd think, no, just do that. Yeah. Yeah. But you get your Ferrari and it's, it's like a, out of a production line, gets shipped out. Whether it's McLaren, Ferrari, all all of them are questionable at times. Yeah, yeah. they've you, all got bad examples, and it's it's a shame because I think the more you learn about detailing, the the worse it gets for you. Because <laughs> if you know nothing <laughs> yeah. about it, you take delivery of your car and like it's perfect. And yeah, some absolute 
so-and-so will turn up and be like, have you seen this swell here? Or the fact that there's overspray or something. Like, yeah. my car was perfect <laughs> until you pointed <laughs> yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Whereas, like, I think now if I was ordering an expensive car, I would get it sent straight to a detailer, straight from the, fa- from the manufacturer, whoever, yeah. delivered to the detailer, and then I would want it to then go back and I would do my collection. Because yeah, then at yeah. least they can be like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Yeah. You guys need to sort this out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because a lot of, I think a lot of uh, customers now do that yeah. to Topaz and uh, NVN. They literally will send their car there, get it detailed, get, get it, it protected, PDF'd. and then do the collection from there. Yeah. It makes sense to do it that way around. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I did it not that way around when I bought my Hurricane and I drove it yeah. to get PPF'd. And actually I was driving, I was like, this is the most stupidest thing I've ever done. Like, <laughs> yeah. it could, like they so easily get stone chips. If there was ever a time to transport a car, yeah, this, this is, is that it. time. <laughs> but then I heard a really cool story about a Porsche customer who had an original 911. It had motorsport heritage. I can't remember the exact thing. But he got a 911R allocation and he spec'd it in exactly the same and refused PPF because he wanted his 911R to have the same heritage. So he yeah. wanted the stone chips. He yeah. wanted to feel like every time he got in that car, it was telling a story rather than keeping it completely pristine yeah. and wrapped up. I was like, that's quite cool at the same time. It's quite cool. I go two ways on that because I, I like that. Yeah. And like but, my old 911 doesn't have PPF. Uh, and it just, at the time, the paint and whatever, it d- didn't make sense. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay. But then over time, little paint chips. Mm. They start to rust, yeah, and then you end up with rust, yeah, and then it's a whole your car starts game. falling apart. <laughs> it, it, it might be fifty years, yeah, but but, it, but it's still it's still weighing on your mind as part of ownership of that car. Yeah. And as the timeline increases, the chance of it getting worse also increases. So yeah. I think I think there's a time and a place to have something like that. And I think like a prime example of a car that where it would work is. Rowan Atkinson's McLaren F1. Like, just the general history of that car has made it so valuable. And you'd never think that so many crashes would actually <laughs> add value to the car. Do you think it's added value? What? I mean, it's obviously not as expensive as, like, a, a brand new... Non-crash, non-crash. But in general, the car yeah. has gone up in value. So yeah. therefore, you kind of feel like if you didn't have PPF on that car and you just saw its true form... But it looks that car looks perfect. Yeah. You've seen that car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is, it it is. It, it, yeah. Which is, which is, which is super cool. But because of the story, I kind of feel like that's a car where you probably could not have. I'm going to see a little bit of. Yeah. Look inside the door and be like, I just want to see a little oh, bit of a fender bender. Oh, this is a bit bent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just get in the car. Like, yes, but this car is now worth 10 million pounds. <laughs> so I fixed it. <laughs> and then you get in and the steering wheel's on the left. <laughs> You're like, oh. This isn't quite right. What's, what's, what's going on there? Is this an MR2? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the Lambo definitely went straight for PPF because I just wouldn't have been able to look after that paint. Yeah, and it's you, know, you spend a lot of money on a paint job. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, PPF's expensive. Yeah, it's really expensive, especially on um, those kind of quirky cars because it's not a straight... I can't remember it's not just a straight out of a pattern. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've kind of got to fit, customize it, and and extend bits here and there, and trial and test, and and that's when it starts getting expensive. But 
A hundred percent. If 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 your car you're going to have for any amount of time, and it's a decent value, mm. it's 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 an amazing thing to have. Yeah, isn't it? and it's also peace of mind to the next person when you do sell it to not have to worry about doing it. Yeah, because it's like oh, this car's already got PPF. It's like ready to go. It's ready to drive. Whereas if I hadn't done that and I tried to sell it, I don't think anyone would have touched it. They'd be like, oh, I got to yeah. get a PPF. I just want to get in it and drive it. You never have to have it. Not necessarily. You don't have to have it detailed, but you don't have to have it detailed. Yeah. Like the Ferrari down there. Yeah. It looks exactly the same as the day I got it. Yeah. Just take it down to a car wash. I like take it down to like a five pound car wash. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone freaks out. But I mean, I remember when I took my hurricane to one uh, in the south of France and I was like going to town on this thing <laughs> and I filmed it all. And I was like, well, I mean, it's, it's got PPF. Like how, how bad? It's got self-healing PPF. <laughs> how bad could it be? And I remember the comments on that video were just like, what are you doing? doing and i was like that's ppf yeah and then there's people like "Uh i had um i did a video with the 40 the other day just like a like sort of like review sort of thing and it it, the thumbnail is me sitting on the front oh yeah yeah and the number of comments of like what are you doing yeah obviously i'm like i'm quite a careful person and i just wanted to be there, so I'm like leaning on it. I'm not like jumping up yeah. and down or whatever. With your keys in the back pocket, and, and be like, oh, jeans, <laughs> but like you've got them. And I was like, yeah, but I, I wear these jeans all the time. Mm. So I've thought about the jeans that I wear. Yeah. They don't have <laughs> any metal things on the back. Yeah, they don't have anything that scratches anything, and it's also PPF. Yeah, so you're like, it's fine. Yeah, be like, what are you doing to that? You don't deserve that car. <laughs> it's my car. I can do whatever the hell I like with it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Traction off, head cam on. <laughs> they ain't got no traction, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, he would have been that car too. <laughs> but I think you drive all these cars around. Let's say you get used to driving an 812. If you drive an 812 in sport or something like mm. that, you can put your foot down and it will go. Mm. Um, I got. To, I drove a, an F8 the other day. Okay. And that... By all intents and purposes, is a very fast car. Mm. Lots of horsepower, two-wheel drive. But I wasn't allowed to drive it in any of the more lenient, like CT off or anything like that. And in normal sport or something, you just put your foot down and just from like 20 miles an hour, it just goes, it just like zips up the road like an electric car. Yeah. That's really boring. Mm. And then you get that experience. And so many people now, if you get into a modern supercar, will have that experience of I can just put my foot down. And then you drive something with traction control, no traction control. Uh, yeah. You drive a car with 300 horsepower, with yeah. no traction control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you can get that wrong quick. You can get that wrong. You can end yeah. up, if it's wet or something, or you're just going around a corner and you just hoof it. Yeah. Like the number of people, and I, you must have had this experience a lot, being in a passenger seat with someone and someone who just seems to have like a on-off mm-hmm. throttle mm-hmm. foot. And they they start moaning about the traction control in the car. Yeah, the car has, you know, <laughs> so he's interfering. Something recently, <laughs> and like big horsepower car, and the guy is just like mashing it. And it's like, oh, it's, it's kind of like moving around, and the, the car the car's going like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know what you've asked it to do. Yeah, <laughs> and it's got to draw a line between where you put your foot and traction. Like, are you surprised? Yeah. Are you surprised at all? There are some people with zero mechanical sympathy, but also you kind of need a little bit of experience of like weight distribution 
and everything to gain a little bit of an understanding of what a car could potentially do Yeah, if you didn't drive it with traction. Or, yeah, and I think everyone, everyone that gets a new car to them and hasn't driven anything close to that, and it's definitely best beneficial for everyone, if you can go to some sort of open area, turn everything off and just put your foot down. Yeah. Just see what happens. Yeah. Like, drive around a circle, put your foot down, see what happens. And then you'll realize quite quickly how much power you, that car can mm. or can't take. You'll know where the limit is so that you can completely avoid that. Yeah. And rein it back in. The best thing that I ever did when I bought my BMW M3 was it was a, it was for all video purposes. It wasn't necessarily for, for a learning curve mm. for me. It was a just, I want to take this BMW M3 and go drifting in it as yeah. my as my first drive. Like, mm. I'm going to take it from the dealership straight to the airfield <laughs> and turn traction off. But it was the best thing that I ever did with that car because I spent about two hours on this airfield and the amount that I learned in those two hours about that particular car meant that then for the next nine months of owning it, I was really able to enjoy the most out of it. Whereas now uh, with the Lambo, I've never done that. I'd never turn traction control yeah. off in that car because I think when that goes, you're gone. Like there's no catching that. But in any other car, it is just the best thing that you could possibly do. Yeah. Even if you don't have access to an airfield. I mean, that sounds yeah. really silly, but there are places that you can go and companies that allow and facilitate yeah. you to do those kind of things. And if you can, like best advice, I think. It's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Just have an experience like what everything off means. In yeah. your car. Yeah. And then, because I think some people think, oh, I'll turn everything off and then it'll be fine. Like you, you get in like the F8. Oh, if you turned everything off in an F8, I think. You you, you yeah. are, yeah. what with a car with 400 horsepower, mm. if you just dump the clutch, it's going to go. light up the rears. Yeah. So like get towards doubling that. What do you expect? <laughs> Turbo charge, like tons of torque. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, it's going to be an absolute animal. Yeah. And it, I think it's a shame that I didn't get to drive that car in a situation that allowed me to do that. Because I think if it had been a, if I'd got to drive it like a Silverstone or somewhere, I got to drive it around the roads of Goodwood, around, yeah. and then on the track. A nice roads. A couple of laps. Yeah. Um, like nice roads, but that's not, that's not the time to explore this situation no. unless you've got a dead straight road you know it's not massively cambered or anything and then yeah. you can just you can just like low speed give it a bit and yeah. see what see what it does yeah because it's not going to mustang just off to the side <laughs> <laughs> but as like a track it's all high speed fast flowing stuff so it's yeah. not where you need a nice low speed corner where you can just give it some and just see see what happens see how see, it yeah yeah i think um i was thinking about this the other day actually that Actually, the way that cars have gone in terms of brake horsepower, numbers, and the amount of computers that keep you on the road and in a straight mm. line terrifies me. It's scary. Because where really you can eat the most out of those cars, but also the most out of your uh, skill and ability is is on a track. And so now when I feel like I've got... Uh, a road trip coming up or I've got a little drive where you know there's going to be like five to ten other drivers where they're all just going to be nudging you along the road mm. like pushing you a little bit more to be like come on this is fucking awesome <laughs> am I allowed to swear anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it happens <laughs> and and I just feel like the cars now are too fast to do that 
Yeah. Um, whereas where we were probably back in what, 15? When we were in yeah. R8 VA, GT3 RS, Sam was in the 4C, Shmi yeah. in the 650S. That road trip and those cars, if you think about how far the automotive world has come. Yeah, it's mad. It's the, I mean, the even then, like the power that we had was crazy. Yeah, and grip. And grip. Um, and I think back then the cars, power to weight wise, suited the drive that we were doing whereas now if we were to take the, sort of those sorts the of current yeah I'd prop. Be, okay if i was in an r8 v10 plus 610 yeah. 620 brake horsepower gt2 rs like yeah. 700 brake horsepower shmi in a center 720 800, yeah. 800 <laughs> you're like i mean they're like we then need a track can't do that on the road no which is why I think it's a little bit of a shame when you do drive all of this new stuff with how fast it is and how many computers there are to help you that you can never actually get the most out of the car. Therefore, you don't feel like you've had the best drive. Therefore, they might start feeling a little bit numb and a little bit boring because you end up just cruising. And then at that point, just get an S-Class. Yeah, unless (laughs) you drive it with everything off. Yeah. At which point, but you, you, you're on your own and most people are... Which is when you go to the track. And most people just don't have the skills. No. To manage, no. To, when you get to sort of like 800 horsepower, that's, that's yeah. really something. It was, it was interesting seeing the 765 LT launch stuff. Yeah. Did you, have you been to drive that car? I've not been to drive it, no. And the feedback... Because I'd be useless. <laughs> I'd be like, here's a 765 LT and Silverstone... Can't get the best out of the car. No, but you, you could give a good example of someone like yourself, true, getting in that car. So true. who else? You got to drive it. A, a few people. Yeah, I was an interesting. One was Emma Walsh. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it was necessarily the correctly named title of her video, which possibly involved the word flat out. Not, uh, not like nagging her as a person, but just like don't. If you're yeah, not yeah. drifting and honing something, don't sort of say you are. Yeah. Um, but that that was actually an interesting video for me to watch because. Yeah, she's not like a pro racing driver. Mm. She's just like someone that can drive a car. Yeah. Doesn't do trans track driving, whatever. And it was interesting to see someone like that drive a car like the 765 because that's what most people are going to be like. Yeah. When you see someone like Chris Harris drive it. Yeah. It's just sort of just completely different yeah. to most people's experience of driving that car. Which I think, it, I mean, it's amazing to get a perspective of someone who can drive, drive a car like that totally. on the limit because then you get a real true representation of what that car stands for and how good it yeah. is. And that's why I love watching the stuff that 100%. he does and what those guys do because it is a different level. And I think then it's nice to have that perspective, which is probably why someone like McLaren will do that and probably why they've mm. invited me on some of the stuff is it's not necessarily because I'm a good driver, I'm going to get the best out of it, but I probably represent quite a large percentage of people that are thinking about potentially buying yeah. it and their driver's skill. Um, not saying that I'm a good driver or a bad driver. I've like got some track experience yeah. and some driven a bunch of cars, high performance car experience, which I think is probably the majority of people that are thinking about buying something like a seven six five. Yeah, and then you looked at sort of I don't know whether you do this. I do this whenever a new car comes out. I sort of pick the five videos or six videos and, and watch a few, and then read some reviews and whatever, and then sort of draw some conclusions from all of it as like an aggregate. <laughs> I can't afford it. <laughs> That's my conclusion. <laughs> yeah, 
Or, and if yeah. I could, I can't afford the depreciation. So, but you, you, and you listen to different people and different people's opinions. And I thought the 765 was a really interesting one because a lot of people came out of it and said it was, it was too tricky mm-hmm. or the electronics couldn't quite keep up or something like to that effect. Yeah. And immediately that takes me back to your 812 with traction control off. Like, why yeah. are you driving it? On? You should never be driving a car on the electronics. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, like, on, the, on the limit with the electronics. Yeah, side. like, like yeah. using the electronics to push it on the limit. Yeah. Like, if it's, I don't know, like a Ferrari system where it's, it's doing a whole bunch of stuff in the background, but fundamentally you're kind of still on your own, but it's just helping. Yeah. That's one thing. Whereas the idea of, like, hitting the sort of, a certain amount of side slip and then it's just going to hold, hold you, you there, in a drift even if you keep your foot planted yeah like who want i don't I, i'm sure for a lot of people that would be a nice fun experience but it's not that rewarding no whereas i want to get in a car f4 prime example mm. you get in that car you are on your own yeah so you're aware that you're on your own mm. so if you start to push the limits your reward is significantly higher. Yeah. But also you're aware of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And that's 500 horsepower. Yeah. This car is like 770. Yeah. Like, it's meant to be an absolute animal. And I would like to, if if I get in a 765 and I feel like it's trying to kill me, I'm like, I think it's all I that's what I want. A, yeah, that's all I look for in a car. Because you're right, the, the risk is so high but the reward is also it kind of like balances yeah. itself out. Um, and I think when you've when you've got the computers that can help you, you don't know whether you've done that good thing on or whether it was the computer. And that is what leads to the crashes. Yeah, <laughs> it's because people will go from let's say let's just I'm not saying Ferraris are easier to crash than anything else. Just their Manatino system makes it a good way of demonstrating. It. Yeah, you start in uh, wet or whatever. Yeah. Basically, nothing's going to happen. Sport, nothing's going to happen. And then it goes to like race. Race, which is a little which bit, is of... a bit more slip. CT off, like you can do quite big slides. Yeah. And then. But it will still catch you. But it will still sort of manage stuff and probably look after you reasonably well. Yeah. And if you're in any of those modes, and definitely up to race, like it's doing a lot. You've got a fairly big safety net. Fairly big safety net. CT off, you've got a lot, a lot less. But CT off, to ESC off is another yeah. chunk. Mm. And if you're hooning around in race and you go, you know what? Yeah. I, yeah, this, this is fine. This car, and nowadays the, the dash doesn't even blink. Yeah. The, you don't see <laughs> the traction control light yeah. flickering. It should almost be, rather than just the, the yellow light just going on and off, it should be like green, amber, red. It should be like a five stage, like... How much? How yeah? It how close? Is looking after you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like, if you're tickling it a little bit, then actually that's probably the fastest that that car can go around a track. If yeah. You're just like slightly, oh, yeah, just getting a tiny little bit of help with traction, tiny bit of help with traction, and it's actually probably making you faster. Just a little green, little like white to green. Yeah, amber is like your your inputs Careful. are too like aggressive. Your yeah. foot's like just you're not being finessed, and then red's just like. What are you doing? I'm shutting you down. Turn the car off. Yeah. And then people just go from that one to the other, whether yeah. it's like a, a three series and it's a wet, wet road. And they're like, you know what? Oh, everything off. And then vump, round you Slip, go. Yeah. Yeah. Opposite, opposite ends. I think that 
would probably lend itself. Whether the people still in control of the car would listen to that or or see the red light as a challenge yeah <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not too sure um because then at, at that point you're like ah we've just sort of like made this car a game <laughs> but then you could have it you could have it with let's say like ct off and at the level of where you are on the light and you could have a video of a instructor type person mm. doing a perfect lap fully lit but it's just tickling the green yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's so in harmony with his his inputs and everything are correct. Yeah, and he's not gone too much. There's not too much error in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like Muggins might still be able to do a similar sort of thing, but it's like red, 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 red. <laughs> it's like those pl- uh, PlayStation games where you just where you're not actually going around the corner. You're just like flat out into the barrier <laughs> and then just like <laughs> following the barrier the whole way around the circuit. And you're like, I've just set a lap record. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think I was the same with the seven six five. I heard very mixed reviews, and a lot of people kind of just said like the seven twenty s was was fast enough mm. and good enough. But actually, compare comparing that to the seven six five, more usable and more enjoyable to use. Yeah, more of the power, if that makes sense. Whereas the seven six five, a bit too complicated, a little bit too. Um, twitchy for people with all of the computer systems on, and yeah. then at that point you're you're taking out a large percentage of people that um, might end up having an accident in that car if totally. just turning traction control off. And everyone was driving on a track. No one was really. Not many people have driven mm. it on a road yet, and that's actually where that that yeah. car is designed to be driven on a road. Yes, yeah, got num- number plates. The six seven five on a road was so much better than a 650 mm. ignoring all of the fact that it's qu- quicker or yeah, not yeah, yeah. it was just it was way better at 30 miles now yeah and i reckon the 765 will be the same yeah yeah i can't wait to see them on the road though because i think they look wicked yeah i know someone that's getting one Ooh. and in our whatsapp group um, is delivery imminent it's soon okay cool. it's pretty soon um he just gets endless abuse with that, that <laughs> downward graph that comes in. He's just like, oh, tracking, because he's got a 720S at the moment. Yeah. And we're just tracking 720S prices. And, so, and he's like, Look, I know what it's going to be. Yeah, so yeah. I, I want that car. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the best position to be in, that you've got your money invested in a car that you want and you don't care about anything else. Oh, you've done, oh, you've done the calculations. Yeah. You're, you're fully eyes open yeah, yeah, yeah. that it might cost you X to own for a year. Yeah, and I think, I think now, I think in a way, McLaren prices might start correcting themselves because it will only be those people that buy yeah. them that are going into that purchase knowing what to expect because i think the last three to four years especially sort of from six seven five lt when they started to go up in value yeah all of a sudden people that would jump shipping from ferrari and porsche going oh i'll get i'll get the next limited mclaren um and then all of a sudden they've done 15 special edition cars yeah and they've done all of these mso pack things and every single car coming out is totally different and unique and and then yeah, you're 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 starting to experience depreciation that you might not necessarily have expected, considering the company's history and how new it is. Um, so hopefully, McLaren start providing cars for the people that know what they're going to expect and yeah. are just buying the car because they love McLaren. 
because I really like the brand. I really like the cars. They've got a few little things that they can iron out. And when they do, yeah. it's going to be wicked. I, at some point in time, would love to own a McLaren. Me too. I would love to own a 720S or something like that at some point, just to see what the hell that thing is like. Uh, yeah. And use something that is like a modern day spaceship, isn't yeah. it? It's just it's crazy well, it's, when it's you hyper, compare it It's to, hypercar performance for 140 grand. But I'm, I'm put off by a McLaren for whether it's reliability issues, well-documented, mm. like they have problems. Sometimes you get a good car. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. But it seems it's not like a Porsche. Yeah. They're pretty much all good. Yeah. And if there's something goes wrong, they fix it and that's it. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. done. Yeah. They might set on fire, but they try and solve that issue. <laughs> all supercars seem to set on fire at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... I think Sign Mac- of a good car. <laughs> exactly. Like 458, GT3 RS. <laughs> like, I think McLaren, um, unfortunately, are growing in a time where everything is on social media. If you look at Ferrari, Lamborghini, yeah. Porsche, look at pretty much any manufacturer, Pagani, Koenigsegg, they kind of started their their first five to ten years of their company really didn't exist in the, in the world of social media, so we might not necessarily have seen the imperfections of yeah. their testing and building and and customer deliveries going wrong. But now it's almost like a, a running joke with social media that McLarens just always go wrong. But actually, if like Lambos catch fire, we've seen all of those videos. Yeah. Porsche ferrari as well unfortunately um, uh for, for mclaren i think on their timing they, they have done an incredible job mm. no one i think can argue with that there have been a few my sort of when they first came out my love of the brand was quite high mm. british brand yeah great yeah good seemed like good ethics and then there's been things that have happened over time that you go like oh man why yeah. why do you do that yeah like that's that's what the Italians do, man. Like, <laughs> and there was a re- like, yeah. I don't like Ferrari for certain reasons, and McLaren have done similar similar things at certain points in time. And customers, yeah, you'll yeah, end up, you'll you know end up, that. yeah, you'll end up frustrating a lot of people. And I just, I just hope that the next five years go the way that they want it to go. I hope so, because if it does. I'm all about championing a British brand and I would love to own a McLaren. I've got, I've come close a lot of times mm. and I know people that own and have owned and it's, it is really like mixed experience. And like you, I'd love to just experience it for myself. Yeah. And, um, and if I can do that and document it on YouTube, then surely that's the most transparent way of, of showing a real McLaren ownership experience. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And yeah, I think British brands at the moment is, it, all car brands at the moment are struggling, mm. but but like specifically Aston Martin and McLaren, all of these like crazy lease deals and stuff that you can do on stuff like a 600 LT where mm. everyone got these amazing deals. Yeah. And unfortunately the residual value of those cars is just nothing. Yeah. It's not nothing, but you know, it's significantly less than what they're paid for. And then you get to the end of all of these three year terms and the cars come back and then all the yeah. dealerships are like upside down by yeah. quite a lot. Yeah. And then they're just sitting on I hope that if it's possible to make less cars, there just be less cars around. Aston's, McLaren's. Yeah. Not Porsches. I want them to make as many <laughs> as possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think um, there was a real sweet spot. I think I wouldn't like to put a date on it, 
um, because I might get it wrong, but maybe between, shall we say, 2007 and 2012, I feel like was a really good period where like production numbers were at the right spot. Yeah. I think the cars between that era good era were were pretty bang on obviously we've got the the classics um which will remain classic but i feel like that era um is where everyone was happy and i just feel like now with with higher production numbers manufacturers regulations shareholders we've got all the regulations um and obviously this technology transition i don't even think manufacturers are 100 percent behind battery technology because it's no. fairly old technology like i had batteries in my game boy yeah that they then <laughs> and, and they plug in and, that and recharge well, they probably have but they, they haven't changed yeah, that much yeah and so you, you do wonder whether manufacturers are also dragging their heels a little bit to wait for something else is there going to be something else i i hope i hope something other than I think for a lot of stuff, battery will be the way. Mm. I drove a Tesla Model 3 the other day. I've had an experience in that car. Uh, did you, you had like an auto brake experience. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Was that it was terrible. What happened there? Um, I was on the M1. The weather was bad. Yeah. Um, visibility wasn't great. And I was just on cruise control. It wasn't even autopilot. So yeah. I was just, I had the radar on and I had the speed. Yeah. And I was, I think I was at like 73 on yeah. the M1. And I was approaching a bridge and for whatever reason, the camera Shadow. detection system was like, whoa, there is a freight lorry yeah. horizontal <sighs> in the M1 and it just slammed on its brakes and the telemetry read that it went from about 73 miles an hour down to about 50 in less than a second and a half. Okay, so full on. It was properly aggressive. Yeah. And it just like ripped the seatbelt. I like shot right forward. My girlfriend was in the car as well. Thankfully, no one was behind because I mean, if a car's going to rapidly deaccelerate from from seventy um, on a on a free moving motorway, yeah. they, they were going to go into the back of us. Very possible. And then you get out and you're like, "Oh, I'm really sorry, the car broke itself." <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "I don't care. Yeah. Look at my car." <laughs> and you're like, "Well, how does the insurance work with it's, that?" It's an interesting one though because I remember after after that had happened to you, we, I was talking to him about it with a couple of people, and one of the guys has a Model X. Mm. And he was saying it is, it is quite a, not necessarily common, but, but it, 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 it happens. Yeah. Um, but he pointed out, and it was, it's, it's a very valid point, that happens in any car that yeah. has a system that does... Radar. Radar. Yeah. Cruise control. All of the comments when I first launched that video, because, again, it was one of those things where I it happened to me, and it really affected me over yeah. the 24 hours, because... I was thinking, what if? It was yeah. all about that hindsight of of what if it really had continued to break? Like what would have happened there? Or what if there was a car behind? What if or, there was a lorry behind or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, I need to put this video out. And the comments were like, oh, that happens in my Golf. That happens in this. And I was like, actually, yeah. So I was speaking to Tesla. I was like, what would be fascinating is to compare compare manufacturers and their systems on that exact thing that happened in your car because what i don't want to do is isolate teslas as just being teslas do this yeah um it was just unfortunate that it happened to me within the first 24 48 hours of me driving that car but yeah you're right i think most cars probably would have identified that shadow in the poor visibility as 
well, that's an object I'm going to put my brakes on. Yeah. And apparently there's certain things that are like regular occurrences. So one is shadows on bridges. Yeah. These sorts of things. And chatting to my friend who's got the X, he said, yeah, like totally it's a thing. Like if you, someone is driving on whatever cruise nav, whatever it's called, um, <laughs> and you're following a Tesla, like actually don't follow too close. Yeah. Because there is a possibility that it could just slam on the brakes. And yeah. it could happen in, in any of these yeah. other cars. Yeah. Um, the thing I found about driving the Model 3, what do you think of the car? I thought, like, as an A to B mode of transport, it was a very, very good piece of kit because it was capable of some pretty insane yeah. performance. Like, it's good. Performance it's, it's, is mad. Yeah. Um, but then also, it is comfy. Uh, the tech will take some getting used to but like with anything like when we were going from an iphone 7 to the x when mm. they took away the home button you're like what <laughs> what have you done here yeah how, how do i operate this thing now and then it takes a week and you get used to it and i think that's what i always try and get into the mindset of of okay i'm only testing this for a few days mm. so whilst i can share how counterintuitive some of this screen is and going through the options to select the air conditioning or the windscreen wipers doesn't make any sense compared to what we're used to it's incredibly disruptive and i can imagine after a week of you owning it you're going to get used to it and then that's going to become your norm yeah so actually as a package it's, it's i quite think cool. as a, a, a technological thing mm. it's amazing yeah like even when you just look at uh, like the first time i looked at parking and it pops up with the cameras. Yeah. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's got like HD cameras. Yeah. Whereas you get in like any other car. Yeah. And it's like some freaking... PS2. Yeah. 360p <laughs> or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, t- the, the thing for me was the almost like, I called it sonar. It's not sonar. Yes. But yes. when you're driving along and it's like registering cones and wheelie bins and yeah. people. Here's a like, lorry on your right hand side. And you're like, and whoa. Like this is... And I think... Ford came out and said this, that Tesla are years ahead. Yeah, it was like, they're like a couple of years ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, I mean, you can see that when you were going to, if you're going to jump, I haven't driven the new uh, Mustang E thing, yeah, the thing, Mac-E or whatever, um, which I'm quite intrigued to test. But it'll be interesting to see that versus what Tesla have been doing for the last two to three years and comparing. They, I, I had a friend of mine was, he had a, What's his car? He had a Ford Focus that he's had since I don't know, 2007 or something. And weirdly, it it's weird how this happens, but it, it's got to the point where essentially it's going to be scrapped yeah, because it's just not worth fixing anymore. And you're like, how is a car from 2007 like not worth Run fixing into the anymore? ground now. Like, yeah. what the hell? Like, yeah. how, I swear if you went back 40 years, yeah, like those cars still run. If you just... Didn't they make cars to break in 40 years ago? There was definitely like... Was it, I don't know which manufacturer. I don't know which pit. Period. Possibly. But yeah, but like the same Mercedes back in the day. Yeah, you know, they make a car to run for like five hundred thousand miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas now, like, yeah, yeah, not so much. But he he was like, oh, okay, I'm thinking about getting an electric car. He does quite a few like road trips every now and then mm. uh, to go skiing or stuff like that. And he's like, I'm thinking about getting an electric car. He doesn't have parking, and he okay. doesn't have the ability to charge at home. Wow. And I was like, well, first of all, don't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. my experience, and I don't know whether you've had a similar experience, you've driven a bunch of different things, is if you like doing long journeys, at the moment, 
you have to have a Tesla. Yeah. If it's if you're if you're going electric. Yeah. It's just the number of horror stories I've heard in whatever electric mm. car that's not a Tesla. Yeah. Where someone's in some random place, middle of nowhere, nighttime. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. For no real reason, like you can't you have to log in and you have to register but there's no phone signal and like yeah these sorts of things that shouldn't be an issue in 2020 (laughs) you know if everyone's meant to be swapping over infrastructure not doesn't seem quite (laughs) there so i said i was like look definitely some of the other cars will feel nicer Mm. and like if you get in an audi e-tron or whatever it'll feel like a nice audi whereas you get in a tesla and it feels it's kind of like a computer alien computer alien thing yeah but Essentially, you, if, I think where you're at, you need to go and get a Model Three. If that's if that's really you want to do an electric car, yeah, Model Three is the, the only one. The one thing that stops me from getting an electric car because for ninety percent of my drives, I probably could get in and out of an electric car and then just put it back on charge at night. Yeah, like, I can't charge it at night. Otherwise, I probably would have an electric car. Yeah, um, not because I'm not a pure petrol head, but it just makes sense. <laughs> And actually, sometimes I see myself at a petrol station filling up for the fourth time this week, yeah. looking at everyone else going, we're dinosaurs. Like, yeah. I get at home at night and I put my iPhone on charge. There are people that are getting home in their cars and putting them on charge and then getting up and, and going again. And that is when I started to get this realization that maybe there is a space in my garage for an electric car. But I think right now, given how important range is and how difficult electric cars are finding to get that range that yeah. we're getting from diesel and petrol cars. A hybrid is a pretty good way to go. But you have to, with a hybrid, you have to charge it every day yeah. and you only get like 15 miles. Yeah. So I, maybe 30. I had an experience in February with the Mercedes GLE. It was a 350DE. Okay. And so it was this diesel engine with a hybrid system. Yeah. And I was shooting this video for Mercedes. It was a really, really cool thing because I also got to experience the car. It was the best way that mm. I could. And they, they, I saw it and I did it. They got 100 kilometers out of the battery on a hybrid. And then you could switch it to the diesel engine and it was reading 799 kilometers. Right. So, so And what sort of fuel economy is that car getting in when you're not using the, when it's not charged? Ah, uh, I cannot. Because that's that's recall. the real question. With yeah, all of the generally now everyone's getting hybrid SUVs, which but I understand someone wanting to have an SUV, but adding another 150, 200 kilos into an SUV yeah. makes it really damn efficient if you yeah. haven't juiced it up. Yeah, uh, I, inefficient. I, I kind of the way that they kind of sold it to me, and obviously I've been sold because I think it's an amazing idea. Yeah. Um, is that you do charge it every night. And for something like the school run, going to work, you can just use the electric yeah. charge all day for 100 kilometers. And I think most people could probably, could probably get by with that. And then on the weekends, if you're going up to visit family or whatever, you can yeah. just flick it and use the diesel motor or combine the two and get the range that you want to get there. And then all of a sudden, you've kind of got two cars in one. And I was like, oh, actually, yeah, I can't... S- Think of an electric car that can do both those things. And whilst, yes, there are a bunch of cars that have petrol and diesel engines that can do the other thing, combining the two 
it could actually be a greener way of doing things. It's, it seems like an interest For where we are right now, if you really would like to cruise around town in electric and stuff like that, that, that seems like a reasonable option-ish. Mm. But um, and just the fundamentals, this is another thing I was talking to Christian about. Yeah. Um, with the Jumeirah, Jumeirah, whatever, that's quite cool. Bloody cool car. Yeah. You're saying the problem with hybrids is you have to build a, like a, a ICE petrol diesel powertrain. Yeah. And then you have to build an electric powertrain. Yeah. And then you attach them together. So you've basically made two cars. Yeah. <laughs> in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not a great... It's not efficient. It's not very efficient yeah, yeah. at all. Whereas what they've done, um, and I don't... I think, unfortunately... We're not. We're never going to see that come across to conventional road cars with their combustion engines and stuff. Yeah. Where he's like, I can make a two liter for sports cars. It's unreal. Yeah, it's like I can make a little two liter engine that has six hundred horsepower. Yeah, and is ten percent more efficient than a norm than your normal car. Yeah. Whereas, and then you have some electric stuff on top of that, but you've got such a high powered small motor that you're generating electricity. Yeah, all the time and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's a conundrum because I would like to be as eco as I can be. Yeah. Whilst also being a petrol head and I've got the other cars, but yeah. actually in reality, they don't get driven that much. Yeah. So like day to day, can I swap right now into an electric car? Yeah. And for me, the answer is no. Yeah. Same as me. It's same not as me. possible. Yeah. But we we will get there. Yeah. You just wonder if something else might come in. That's That's... That's what I'm waiting I for. I think they, hydrogen doesn't sound like it's not for. I th- I, I think cars. I think I think the the coolest thing that I think could probably get ourselves around the idea of having to just sit in a petrol station and charge our cars for twelve hours, um, unless you've got a Tesla, is the idea of almost like having pit stops where in the service stations there are charged batteries. Everyone uses this universal battery that you drive in. Battery comes you out. Some sort of yearly fee or whatever. New battery comes in, shoots up into your car, you got 100%, and you go again. I, I think in not uh, too long, I don't know, I don't know the actual specifics of it, we'll have batteries that you can charge goddamn faster. Fast. Yeah. Like, but, we'll get it to the point yeah. where you can charge a battery. We might nuke anything within five square meters <laughs> of the charging point. Like, yeah. you might have to put some gloves on at that point. Yeah. But you'll be able to charge your battery in five minutes or four minutes. Or like or Wi Fi charging. So many cats will die. <laughs> <laughs> I just like, I also heard if you've got like um, uh, traffic lights things, like where you almost have these rechargeable pads coming up to traffic lights. So yeah. when you pull up, it kind of gives you a little bit of juice. And especially around town, you could probably yeah. never really lose that much charge because you're always... So you have like a charging road network. Yeah. Or like the the traffic lights themselves like emit this because i mean our phones now don't need a cable to charge no but they do they don't but they charge faster with the cable they charge faster with the cable <laughs> god damn technology <laughs> <laughs> we're sitting here trying to come up with the solutions when there's probably tech heads in silicon valley being like these guys you got such morons <laughs> just guess we yeah. are <laughs> I, I, it's, it'll get there I, the best things I want to see, or the biggest things I want to see, are the densities and stuff like that. So, cars yeah, being light. Yeah. I want them to be lighter, 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 yeah. and charge faster. Because yeah. if you have a, let's say a Tesla, mm. 
and you've got a 100 kilowatt hour battery pack now. If you go to a supercharging network to charge that up, it's expensive. Like it's, it it's, is. it's not yeah, cheap. Yeah, yeah. And you don't get, like all of these cars, uh, you, you have, might have an 80 kilowatt hour battery pack, which might give you 200 miles of range or something. Mm. And that will probably cost you 15 quid to charge up or something. But that's half, 15, 20 pounds maybe. Maybe that's something like that. It's something it like is, that. yeah. I think my Model 3, to charge that up, I was getting around between 16 and 18 pounds to charge okay. it up on a supercharge. So 18 pounds, and that does 300 miles? At a push, yeah. Yeah, ish. Whereas if you were in a big diesel or something, mm. or like even my, my S4 does like 450 miles in a tank. Yeah. So you're getting to double what an electric car range will be. So actually you've got to charge it twice for the same range. Yeah. So you're then in the sort of 40 pounds. Yeah. Which is not much. Not far off. Not far off. From just having the, and also. And you've had to do another stop. Yeah. The time between actually just refueling a car is actually quite minimal in comparison to, to supercharging a Tesla. Yeah. Let alone trying to recharge your Taycan Turbo S. Yeah, uh, which a friend of mine sold his because it took him all day to charge it up to get an extra eighty miles. He was like, "This is just not yeah. not there yet." Um, but I think I think the the biggest hurdle that electric cars have probably accomplished is the likes of us having a conversation, and you and you do see it within the likes of supercar driver, yeah. the members club. A lot of those guys are driving electric cars, and the fact that we are saying, whilst it doesn't fit into our life at the moment, yeah we would consider one if it did, I think is a big hurdle to overcome. Because totally. five, five years ago, it'd be like, yeah, get an electric car. You'd be like, absolutely no way. I'm much rather a straight pub yeah. than <laughs> <laughs> Which if you can have both and get the best of both worlds during the day, doing the commute, doing the boring A to B stuff that you don't need to yeah, get your driving matter. thrill out of, be as green as possible and reduce your carbon footprint. And the charging at home thing is actually massive. It is a game changer. I, I got in the... Yellow 911 the other day and I had to go somewhere and it had not a lot of fuel in it. Mm. I was like, oh man. Yeah. Like I now have to go out of my way to get to fuel. fill it up. And I'd never thought of that as a remotely an inconvenience or anything until having driven a couple of electric cars recently where yeah. you charge it up and it's you full tank. Full yeah. tank every time. And if you have, for most people, most of their driving, if it's taking kids to school or short journeys or whatever... For me, it's generally longer journeys, so it's not quite so good. Yeah. But even if I could get a 300-mile, I think for me, for like my sanity, it needs to be about 400. Yeah. Because then I can go to Silverstone and back and whatever, and it's not uh, you have to drive at 60 miles an hour. To eke it. To to, to and you'll and just about get yeah. there. And if it's not quite charged <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that, then it's totally doable. Yeah. And even if you're plugging into a three-pin plug and it only gets... I don't know, whatever it is, like 80 miles in 24 hours or something. If you plug it in every day, yeah, it's, never, it's always going to be pretty much topped up. Yeah. I think that, I think that, I think that for me, one day, not so, not so far in the future, I think it's just a case of I'm in the wrong property. And yeah. my, my, my current lifestyle at the moment, I live just outside of London. Um, I think if I lived in London, I probably wouldn't necessarily need a car. I don't really feel yeah, like... You I don't need do. a car very much. Yeah, if you're, if you're in Central, I don't think you need to. So, yeah, 
like one day. I'm not overly leaning towards any particular electric car at the moment. The one that I really like is the Peugeot 208, the E208, because mm. it's just like so discreet. Like it's not shouty at all. Yeah. It's got quite good range. It's fast. And inside it's actually quite nice. And like I remember I went on the press trip because so I went to Geneva and I fell in love with the 208. I yeah. just loved the way that it looked. And I don't think people truly believed me when I said <laughs> it because we had the Mansourish on there. There was all of these crazy cars behind me where I was just like, oh my God, look at the 208. Everyone was like, what are you talking about? Yeah, what's, what's, what's how much have they paid you? What's exactly? <laughs> and I was like, it was just the most authentic tour of a Geneva Motor Show to find myself at the Peugeot stand. Peugeot saw that and they were like, "Hey, do you want to come and drive?" And I was like, "Yeah, yes." And I got to drive the Peugeot, uh, the petrol, diesel, and electric. And the electric car was hilarious because it had so much more power. Yeah, it was like a BMW i3, like actually zero to thirty miles an hour is faster accelerating than an M3. Yeah. Like, so it was seriously fun, silent, meant that the sound quality inside the car when you turn the music up was that Good. bit better. And I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is actually a really cool car. But then no one was like staring at you, like, like yeah. looking down on you or whatever, like, which you do get a little bit in the Lamborghini. Yeah. Yeah. I got, I drove the Honda E. Okay. Was that good? It was I've good. not driven that before. It was good. It's, the it's got cameras as wind, uh, wing mirrors, right? Yeah, that's not good. No. <laughs> um, it's okay. Yeah. But it's... Uh, Takes a little get to The resolution and stuff's not great. Oh, and okay. also you lose that, um, the ability to like, you know, when you look in a mirror, Dist- you might, you just like look left and right and you can then get a perception of distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. Okay. But, um, and it has markers and stuff like that. So it was, it was okay to use. The problem that I had was when other half got in the car, and she then has a screen in front of her face that is continuously scrolling. Right. So yes. like yeah. watching, like, you know, playing like Guitar Hero or something. Yeah, back yeah, in the day, yeah. Like she immediately felt sick yeah. as a passenger. Wow. And, yeah, I never thought of that. And if you're driving, you can sort of tune out because you, you can look ahead. And yeah. then when you need the mirrors, you look You can go them. there. But... but if you're the passenger, it's literally just in front of your face. Yeah. Wow. Never thought of that. Yeah, and I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. I drove it for like a week. Never, before never, she never thought yeah. about it, and then she got in. It started feeling sick. Was like what the hell? But the interior of that car is cool. Yeah, it's like it's a cool thing. Mm. And I think if I was to have, if there was an electric car that would work, you're like okay, a small little electric car. Yeah. is actually makes more sense. Makes way more sense for most people. Yeah, and then if you have two cars. You have a different one for longer journeys at the moment. Yeah. But there aren't many people that make a little pint-sized one that works. But it yeah. was cool. It was yeah. cool. And it was cool driving around London. Do you know what and- even the pint-sized electric cars are a little bit too expensive. They are. That was mm-hmm. it. That is, that's the problem. You look at it and go, it's 30-something grand. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's not really... Well, I did... I wouldn't spend that on I did... Uh, I spec'd up an E208. So I spec'd a Peugeot mm. E208 up. And um, you got the sort of finance calculator at the end of it. And it was coming out the same price per month that I pay on my M2 competition. And you're like, <laughs> every single brain cell was telling me this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then that, that you're, at least with my M2, the chunk of the depreciation on that car's done. I'm not saying yeah. that it stopped, but you'd like to think that actually you're probably 
going to have a cheaper ownership experience in that car over the 12 month period in comparison to an e to a brand new Peugeot E208 yeah. that by the end of the first 12 months you're still paying monthly payments on a 30 grand car but it's not worth anywhere yeah. close to that and then at that point you're going to walk away from that car and it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more than an M2 competition and yeah. then your petrol head instincts kick in and be like, Cause well, that's... For that car, you're like, okay, yeah, like a Honda E. Like, I would think about buying a Honda E, but it would have to be after two years yeah. and half the price. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, but what? what's that car going to be like? If its range at the moment is 130 miles yeah. or something, yeah, look at what's that going to be like in three years? Like, if it's 80% of that, you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Range, yeah. range anxiety becomes a real... Yeah, yeah, You yeah. can't do, like, easily 100 miles which is not far, especially on a round trip, because you can't guarantee charging. No. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's terrible. Technology's not there. It's not quite there. No. And they're heavy. Mm-hmm. So heavy. Yeah. Which is, which is why, because if they make them heavier to get more range, they're going to be even worse. Yeah. So... I think that's something where the Teslas are so far ahead at the moment is... And, and that's something that the other manufacturer said, is the efficiency of the car. Yeah. It is... A Tesla goes down the road using quite a bit less energy than mm, other cars. Else. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, but we want a spoiler. <laughs> uh, yeah. Arches. And... and then they're like, yeah, that completely defeats the point <laughs> of what we're trying to do. And, like, and now you're starting to understand cars. Yeah. <laughs> and who we are. Yeah. 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 I'm sure their design is like that for a reason. Totally. Yeah. I, I think then we need a, we've just had a refresh on the three mm-hmm. minor changes, I think. Yeah. But I think the S and, and the three need a, a Mark two version. S definitely. Yeah. S definitely. Like a 2020 style. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be, I think that would be cool. I was um, surprised the three didn't have a heads up display. Mm. Cause I'd, I'd seen, I'd seen the car knew that it had this big central display yeah, and you get in, and you start driving. You're like, oh, hang on a minute. There's literally nothing in front of me, and the speedo is like down there. Yeah, I remember the the first thing that I noticed with the Model Three was I'd flick the indicators on, but there was nothing telling me that they were on. Yeah, and I was at a junction where you need to be fairly switched on to know when you can pull out, and I was having to look down at the screen just to check my indicator was on. Yeah, so that I knew that I was actually telling everyone else around me what I was intending on doing, and then you're just like, "Well, this goes against everything that I learned in his driving, <laughs> like driving lessons." <laughs> I'm like looking down here while I was trying to pull out of a junction, and it just did not make any sort of any sense whatsoever. And you look at a lot of the strides that other manufacturers have made to put stuff, whether it's Audi or someone, to have it in front as close to in front of your face as possible. And we're all being pushed to not use your phones in cars because yeah. it's a stupid idea. Everyone yeah. knows this, but you, whatever. You get bored of whatever. Yeah. Make bad decisions. But if you can have it up there on a heads up or... It's so you, It's so much better. I remember when I went and got my M2 from the Audi. Yeah. Just the way the digital speedo on the BMWs I don't I imagine it's probably, it's the same on the competition. Yeah. It's like this tiny little number. Yeah, yeah. And you get used to it and because you know where it is and whatever. But, you, but on the Audi, it was like this, this, this massive thing. Yeah. It's like half the size of your phone. It's just the number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why did they do this? Probably to just differentiate themselves. Make it feel like... But it's tiny. <laughs> you, talk, you talk to BMW people, they're like, it's always been like that. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So? 
It's our BMW way. That's the, it's, you know you're in a BMW. And now your BMW way is very big grills. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> what, do you think, what do you think of that? Let's keep, keep it okay. short. Um, I am a fan of M3, M4. I was fairly vocal about it before they launched that I think it's going to look good. I'd learned from previous cars that had come out, like the the facelift Mustang and the yeah. new Mercedes front ends where they were so different to what was before. It just took a while for our brain to realize that we actually like, it was like the design was ahead of its time. And I mm. think this is the same. You think? But yeah, because now I'm seeing all of these different specs and people are seeing them in... Uh, like real life, like rather yeah. than just these press shots. And they're like, oh my God, actually, it looks really good in that color. And a lot of people I'm seeing is like, oh, they're, re- like, they're really growing on me. Like, actually, I might consider buying one because you know it's going to be a great car. You know, it it's, will be a great it's, car. It's going to be a really, really good car. But I think to begin with, it was th- those grills were so disruptive to what our brains are used to that no yeah. one could get away from, ah, oh, but if it just had the old grills, it would look much better. <laughs> and I agree, it would look really, really good. There's so many renders of like... It doesn't bring the design forward into the next five, ten years. I want to see the car. I, yeah. I want to see the car in the flesh. Yeah. People that have seen it, I've had mixed opinions. The people that are quite heavily BMW are like, I like it. I'm like, yeah, but... Is that because it's got is a BMW that because they let you drive it? Or... <laughs> What? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. How impartial? And, and we'll see whether they sell a lot or don't sell a lot. Well, I mean, at the price point, I think they're going to have to offer some pretty good deals. Which they normally seem to do. Yeah. I mean, I've specced up an M4 comp on the website, over 100 grand. And you're like, no I mean, they're not a seat, but... <laughs> they're, yeah, but they're like eight grand. <laughs> wow, 100 grand. 100 grand for an M4. Wow. Yeah. It's quite. It's actually quite terrifying. Because because so many cars appreciate. Yeah, and there's so like yeah sub hundred grand cars. There's so many new and used. Like yeah, you can have a pretty solid three car garage for hundred k. Yeah, and we've got and you can probably buy three new M threes in three years for a hundred grand. Yeah, probably not far off. Like probably. Yeah, yeah. Right now you can buy three. F80 M3s for 100. For, you could definitely buy three M4 comp. Yes. For 100 grand. That's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's that's a new a weird thing. Way of looking yeah, at it, isn't it? yeah. But it's a new thing. It is a new thing. And, and people, I am very glad that people go out and buy these things new mm. because there's so many people that sit at home and go like, I'll buy it in five years' time. Yeah, yeah. And like, why didn't you order the manual and whatever? And it's like, yeah, but you didn't go and order the manual. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's discontinued. And <laughs> for like an M3, I'm going to go against the grain and say like, I couldn't really care less whether it was manual or not. No, personally. no. Because I know from my usage, if I had an M3, it would be the daily car and I would want the auto. Yeah, which is why I went auto in the M2 comp. And actually... Yeah. When I bought it and was like, this is going to be my daily driver, I need an auto. I've now done nearly, I think I've done about 7,000 miles in that car. Mm. And it's a useless daily. And actually, I'd much rather have got it in manual and had it as more of a fun toy. Yeah. Because that's what it's set up to do. Um, But at the time, I just thought, ah, I loved my M3, which was a really good daily. I'm just going to get the M2 comp. Why is the M2 comp worse? Um, 
I think nat- like naturally the stock suspension was fairly it's a stiff. fairly stiff setup yeah. and I've lowered it so it's probably okay. 10 15% stiffer. Yeah. Um it gets over speed bumps fine which I'm happy with. It's not comfy. But the fuel tank is so small. Ah. Uh, yeah. I literally get probably 200 miles out. Obviously it's small which means it's cheap but I'm in the fuel station every day. Yeah, that's And that's nightmare. that's frustrating. That was a big change from my M2 to S4. Mm. I think I think that my M2 was a bit better on fuel than the newer one. Yeah, but it was the suspension like ride quality. So I changed the suspension and then messed around with it to try and make it better, not not to necessarily lower it or anything. Yeah, and never really got happy with it. Mm. And then moved to that S4, which gets way better fuel economy. Yeah, which I can get if you drive at seventy. Yeah, you can get forty mpg. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, well, yeah, and a, and a tank's like between four and five hundred miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like I've just been and as a daily, as a daily, that's what you need, and it's comfy. Yeah, it's got acoustic it's glass in the front. Not, don't find it that comfy. It's not after an hour and a half. I'm like, get me out. Yeah, which is not what you want. It's not what you want. No, and the M3 was it's good, tricky, isn't it? It is because I think it's 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 finding the balance between something that you're going to love and enjoy and exactly. get in every single you're time. Like looking at. But also something that actually ticks a lot of boxes from a practicality and comfort point of view. And also when you try and find a car that d- those does those two things, then I also look at, okay, what content opportunities are there yeah. on, on this car? Like, Am I going to make it look better with modifications? Am I going to have like quite a long list of things that I could potentially do with it? And then you get to the point of, okay, is this going to be a car that I even feature on YouTube? Or do I just yeah. go and buy a, a like a Golf that does all of the things that I want a daily driver like to Sam do? Like with his... Y- yeah. Whatever it is. Uh, X3. 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 He loves that car. And um, I think it's because it meets and goes goes above and beyond his expectations of that car. He knows he's not going to modify it. He knows he's not going to throw an exhaust system on it. He knows he's not really going to make any content for it. Therefore, he kind of needs it to tick a whole bunch of different boxes, whereas the M2 comp, I was like, I think that's going to be a good daily, but look at all of the options that I can do to modify it and make it look how it looks, which I love how it looks. And I always park it up and like look at it, I'm like, oh my God, that looks like properly mean. Yeah. Uh, but then I walk up to it when I need to drive it again. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the world of, that we live in. Exactly, exactly. So um, I've done a lot of miles in it. It's it's a really cool car and I've made it look exactly how I want it to look. So now I'm just going to uh, enjoy it as it is. And uh, and try and use my girlfriend's Jaguar as much as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem I ran into with my M2 is I started trying to make it the car that it wasn't. So I tried, yeah. started trying to make it a better daily. Mm. And I think, okay, if, I think if I'd gone out and got Olin's suspension, I probably would have pretty much been there. But I would still run into the things like the boot. If you're chucking lots of stuff in, that style of boot yeah. is just a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and all those sorts of things. But the less, and I wasn't really necessarily, I, nothing to do with making content or anything like that at all, that car. And I was like, okay, I can change the brake pads. Yeah. I can do the fluid and the lines or whatever. I can take it to track days occasionally. And as it is, 
I can have a lot of fun. Yeah. And then as soon as you go beyond that, you start down the slippery slope. Yeah. And you may end up, and I think people probably, this must happen to a lot of people when they're modifying cars. They buy a car that they would like, and then they try and turn it into a different, they almost start trying to turn it into a different car. Yeah. And you get to the end of your journey, and if you're in the position where you can make videos out of it and make money and whatever, then that's part, that's, that's part of the reason. But people end up with these cars at the end, and they're like, shit, I should this- have just not touched it, driven it as it was, yeah, and then in the three, four years' time, not spent all that money and spent it on the next car, yeah. just actually just buying that next car. Yeah. But is that fun? And then, and then <laughs> is it fun? Yeah. Exactly. I think, um, I think uh, modifying cars, very rarely, speaking from some experience, never rarely improves a car unless it's an exhaust. Yeah. Um, not Pretty just much. not just saying that because I love the sound of cars, <laughs> but the exhaust um, enhances the sound and can and sometimes experience. exactly when you start lowering cars or or changing things around. Um, I've never really experienced something where it it, it increases its breadth of ability. Mm. Like a car coming from BMW, the amount of R and D that BMW have put into that and using their parts bin to make that as good as they can for a mass-produced car, it's very hard to find a company that's going to spend the same level of budget on R&D yeah. to make something as good, if not better, or make the car better. So from a from a practical point of view, I, I kind of see modifications as as, a, as more of expressing my personality mm. on, on the car rather than trying to make it yeah. better. If it if it if it like improves an element to it, like the suspension, for example, I know that if I'm going to push on in that, it just feels more stiffer through the corners. Yeah. Therefore, I feel like I've got a bit more confidence. Uh, but actually, day to day, just bouncing around down the M25, it can be a little bit frustrating. I think you are a hundred percent correct with modern cars. Yes, I uh, think yeah. when you look at older cars. Even necessarily back to that time we were talking about 2010. Mm. So you probably go a bit earlier than that, maybe like 2005. There's modifications that you make that people probably almost wouldn't necessarily consider modifications. Things like adding Apple CarPlay. Yeah. Like if you've got a, a 996 Porsche and you put in the Porsche new PCM system that you can buy, turns that car from... Transforms it. It like transforms it into a modern car. Yeah. My friend's got a uh, 2000. GLE mm. and you know that the the really sort of like boxy square center console you got that the iPad stuck yeah, there yeah. on the dashboard and to look at it looks quite dated especially when you use the infotainment yeah. um, software and he's just taking it to get serviced and put the Apple CarPlay and it's just completely transformed it I was in it yesterday I was like oh wow like it genuinely yeah. feels like you're in a new much newer car and I think those kind of things will massively improve the experience and also maybe extend your longevity of actually enjoying totally. the ownership of that car. If if on my 997 I could have Apple CarPlay, I would get it in a heartbeat. <laughs> like that is just on the edge where you've got 
I've now got like a little Bluetooth receiver thing that I got yeah. on eBay that's probably hacking my home <laughs> system at the same time. Um, but that connects in quite well and the cabling and stuff works. But anything older than that, like the, the old 911, I've messed with a lot and that now just connects with Bluetooth yeah. and you do all the stuff. But when you're before that, it just, it just I'm used to modern stuff. Mm. And as soon as it's, it feels like it's not modern anymore. You're like, yeah. oh man. Yeah. But for underneath, the cars haven't evolved that much. A bit like with the M4 being 100 grand. We've got, if you pick a car from the last 10 years, all the cars, whether it's like an M5 or whatever, have all of the stuff. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Like the tech hasn't changed that much. So you've still got pretty much an amazingly modern car. Whereas if there was periods of time when these were new things, yeah. like sat-nav was a new thing. Yeah. Yeah, and if yeah. you didn't have the new car, you didn't have sat-nav. Yeah. Whereas now you go and spend 10 grand on a car and it's got sat-nav. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Car play, it's the same with iPhones. Everything. Like exactly. the new iPhone, pretty much the same as the old one. Yeah. I but, used to change my phone every year. Yeah. And then I've had this one for like two and a half. Yeah. I think, I think in a way... Uh, technology is 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 changing in that way the hype really for for the latest stuff is is going because it's not changing that much and we're kind of in this happy medium where we've got everything that we need yeah we don't need this ultra 8k television yeah like our eyes still think that i like my my tv that i've got in my flat like it's pretty good like it still works so i'm probably not going to use it we're just getting older mate (sighs) Like I, I, when I say that sort of stuff, and like I've got a, a 1080p TV, and yeah. as someone who's like loves tech, yeah, I should at least have a 4K TV. Yeah, like I don't, HDR I don't, whatever. I don't think I've got a 4K um, TV. But I, I hear like my dad when so I'm like, I, I feel like I should get a new TV, but this one seems good enough. <laughs> and whereas <laughs> yeah. when you're a kid, you're like, you just don't understand. Yeah, I, yeah. I would argue that it's different because back then. A new TV meant going from 22 inches to 32 or yeah. 40. Whereas now, if I got a new TV, mine's you 55. Stick to, stick to the same size. I would pretty much get the same size. Yeah. And you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, what's the, what's the, what's the <laughs> point? But I do think, I, I think we are getting older and I start seeing myself. <laughs> that is a fact. I start seeing myself have these views and opinions on cars. And I'm like... Oh no! Like, I think this is what feeling old, yeah. or like getting old, feels like. Um, because I'm like, ah, the best era of cars was 2007, 2007, <laughs> 2008, to 2012. We have the SD, we have the GT3, the Specialized. Like- yeah, and and you look at the 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 sort of people that are five, 10 years older than us. And they'd probably say, well, actually I'd say that 1998 to 2003 was probably the best car. So it then just started to get too digital. <laughs> yeah. And then when you started getting paddles, um, so I, yeah, I, I, it was when they put in seat belts. That's what did it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, um, sadly it's something that we're all, I'm, I'm going to have to come to terms with. But, and I, but I start, I'm now appreciating older cars. Mm, yeah. Like older and older. And as time goes on, I learn more about these older things. I don't necessarily want to drive one, but I would like to go and drive like an old Bentley. Like yeah. A, you know, with like whatever they are, pedals in the wrong place. Yeah. 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 Outside yeah. and stuff like that. Because I reckon it will be hilarious. Yeah. 
and and also like something that's just totally new and to think that it existed in a time where that was how you got around. Yeah, that was like the Formula One car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely, I've seen all of the old Formula One cars. I would never like to drive one of them. I, I would drive one, but I would drive it like... At 40 miles an hour. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't mind driving a a sort of screaming V8, V10 Formula yeah, like, One Yeah, car. like 2004 yeah. or something like that. If someone could get one up to temperature for me so I didn't have to warm <laughs> the tyres up so that I could just go out and just experience. But you could, you, you just need to take it somewhere with tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of space yeah. and go nowhere near any of the edges. Yeah, true, true. And you could you could go full beans and see what happens. <laughs> traction <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, where's the traction off button? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, what we've concluded then is that we're just getting older. We're getting old. <laughs> and the best cars were made between... No, they weren't. They weren't. All the best cars were made right now. Go out and buy modern cars and I will buy older cars for less money. Thank you. <laughs> wow. We've 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 actually knocked through a bit of time there, and have I, we? Without even, so I, I was like, I don't know what we're going to talk about because oh, twelve twelve thirty. Yeah, we've been going two hours fourteen minutes. Wow. Um, and I had a few things to cover, but we seem to we've solidly <laughs> diverged, which is, which is absolutely great. Um, so I, okay, let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of wrap this up. Last time I gave you five questions. Okay. And I may not give you five, okay. but I'm going to give you some of them because I think it might, may have changed, may not have changed. Okay. Five car garage. Five car garage. Bugatti Chiron. In fact, last time we did this, I forgot to record the five car garage and I called you up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is this recording? Yeah. We just <laughs> double- um- <laughs> so five car garage. Five car garage. Okay. Bugatti Chiron. Boom. Um, I would probably have a uh, Rolls Royce Wraith. Ooh, as a nice. as a daily nice. black badge. Like black badge. Uh, Lamborghini. What's the difference between a black badge and a normal one? Uh, I think it's got a black badge. <laughs> <It's got> black- <laughs> <laughs> That's it, isn't it? I think so. I think so. And it's blacked out. Yeah, yeah. Um, it stops customers taking their cars with Chrome to dub customs. <laughs> <laughs> Then I would probably have a Nero design Lamborghini Urus. I think Lamborghini Urus is like, is the SUV to have a, like, obviously the DBX is impressive. The Bentayga, I mean, the Cullinan is literally like driving a middle Mm. finger with four wheels. Um, The Urus for me, I know it's got the Lambo badge, but it just seems to be the best performing one. And it's the one that everyone loves the most. And you'd have an SUV rather than like an RS6 or... I think so, yeah. Or a Lusso. Oh, Lusso. Yeah, I think so. I think I'd I'd have a Urus. But I probably would have... I probably would... I would have a Lusso just just so they don't crash it four-wheel drive. I mean, you're unlimited budget. You can always repair it. Yeah, true. Okay, I'd have an 812. Okay, you'd have an 812. I'd probably have an 812. And I should really put a Porsche in there, shouldn't I? Because I love Porsches now. I'm like the newest. What would be your newest, Porsche? biggest Porsche fan? Maybe I'll, maybe I would go Crow GT. Mm. Because you really should have a manual in a five car And then garage. you've got a convertible as well. Exactly. Yeah, I'd probably hack the roof off my Chiron as well <laughs> for something to do. Did you see the? <laughs> every now and then I look over at what's going on in America and look at, yeah. <laughs> look at the YouTubers. Like, the, hur- the Evo Spider, the Hurricane like, Evo sorry, Spider. What? What? Yeah. what? 
we're talking about oh this guy's just wrapped his car yeah. this guy's twin turboed his f12 and now they just <laughs> yeah. chopped the roof yeah. off a twin turbo hurricane <laughs> yeah sorry what <laughs> yeah they're, they're um they are they are crazy they always have been they always yeah. have been absolutely mental i remember when they had their rear wheel drive hurricane and they they supercharged it and i was like you do realize this is the rear wheel drive model like and you've just made it 800 brake course like, yeah sick isn't it and i was like okay and then they twin turboed it and made it even more crazy i was like oh my god um those guys are next level so yeah that's next dde level. yeah daily driven exotics yes yeah they, they're quite entertaining yeah, oh, yeah totally yeah. different yeah to what goes on over here yeah and, and i love it i love it it's great yeah you also in america you can do stuff you can't do here uh, yeah I, I I think that here um, warranties and uh, feel more powerful. You just get arrested. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. The, the, the videos of like burning through all five gears whilst holding your camera in one hand. Yeah, filming your dash. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is mental when I see those clips. Just just sort of like sprung in the middle of a vlog, and they're like onwards. To lunch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Like, I actually did that back in the day. Like when I didn't have a, a, a mount. Or, yeah. or, or, I used to like just, just hold the camera yeah. and drive at the same time. Um, and it, it didn't take long before I realized that that is just not, 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 thing not the do, thing yeah. to do. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One car, rest of your life. Wait, 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 wait. What Porsche are you going to get? Crow GT. Crow GT. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One car, rest of your life. Share on. Chiron. Day, you could daily it. It's not loud, but it can be if you want it to. You don't have to drive it fast. I mean, it would be probably a pain in the ass to park, um, but I think it would probably tick enough boxes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. VW, isn't it? Yeah. Although, although possibly a Rimac. <laughs> yeah. um, most undervalued car at the moment. Um, undervalued car. Do you know what? Or... Best value car for under 50k. Oh, best value car for under 50k. We could do We could definitely do a whole podcast on that. Surely the best best uh valued car for under 50k if you want if you want like a sports performance car is a manual R8 V10. It's good. Yeah. Naturally aspirated. How much is a manual Yeah, no, that's it. That's, yeah, that's I think I think I but then I would probably go and say the most undervalued car is a manual R8 V8. Because in a way, I kind of feel like the V8 is, it's the original R8. It's kind of... It's, Slow. Yeah. <laughs> but they're 30k. They are. Like, so, I don't know. Or maybe, but then a V10's... Yeah, 40, 50. 45, 50. And is that for the, the like, facelift when it went no, S-tronic or whatever? No, no, no. They're more, they're closer to sort of 55, no, 60. They're closer okay. to 60. Sort uh, of like... 12C money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's> crazy. <laughs> 12C money. <laughs> what? At least is we know the this world. <laughs> this is all those cars that came out in that period we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now they've just been replaced like five times. Yeah. And that means they get cheaper. Although, if it was a Ferrari and you bought it, okay, a bit later, mm. 2013. 2014 it's still under warranty it's crazy you're still paying no bills on that it's crazy if you had a mclaren from that period you i mean you, you basically you might as well buy three and use <laughs> use the parts, Spare parts. So it's probably cheaper than buying a warranty 
Okay. Final question. Final question. Most interesting car to you at the moment. Okay. I will. I, I know what it is. And the reason I'll, I'm saying this isn't because it's my new thing, mm. um, but it's just because it surprised all of my expectations and I'm still learning it, uh, which is GTR. Okay. Yeah, we haven't even talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, obviously, the car has got a hell of a lot of history. My car is a 2017 car, and I I basically bought it blind. I hadn't driven one on the road. I'd driven a Nismo GTI on the road, which was mm-hmm. pretty terrible, but also, like, you could see what it was supposed yeah. to be doing. And I just assumed it being a Nissan and having heard people talk about it being a Nissan, that it was going to feel like a nissan and i also thought it was going to be stiff suspension i thought it was going to be quite unusable but then quite impressive if i wanted to push on and i got in this car and okay firstly like the screen quality is still quite old nissan tech but the sound system is brilliant it's the bose sound system i was like whoa this is way better than harman kardon in the the m2 yeah and then to drive it's like a GT car. I mean, I mean, I know that sounds crazy because it's a GTR. Um, <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. But like, it's it's comfy. it's really comfy, and I'm still like learning it every time I drive it, and it's just the coolest thing. And quickly becoming the my favorite car that I've ever owned wow. because it's got so much road presence. It's big and it's comfy. Uh, which sort of suits my old age yeah, that yeah. I am. Um, but then it's, it's, it's got this split personality that you flick it into all of its R modes and it genuinely becomes this thing that just is on fire. It's so fast. And the traction, it's it literally defies the laws of physics how it goes around corners. I'm like, how did it just do that? And I know kind of contradictory talking about our oh, computers and yeah, everything yeah. that we were talking about earlier but but actually it's it feels authentic everything about that car it feels mechanical you can hear things moving and working yeah. as you go and you really start to become at one with the car which i think is quite hard to find these days yeah and it's massively impressed me to the point where i'm so excited to get into that car and it become part of a project nice. on my channel. So I would say, yeah, considering all of the cars that I've driven this year and in the in the year before, I think the GTR, even if someone had just said, hey, come borrow it for a month, I'd probably still say that mm. that's the most interesting car that I've owned. And I'm glad that I've got round to owning one of yeah. those cars because it's, it's, cool. it's taken a while to jump, make the jump. Yeah. When did the GTR come out? Oh, um, eight. Is it 08? Somewhere around 07. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see where you're leaning with this. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm trying to work out what the earliest reg plate, that's how I, yeah. that's how I do it. I kind of okay, go, yeah. what, was the, what was the earliest reg plate I can remember? I, it's, it's, uh, it might be 58 or it might be 09. That was a car that got like a really quite substantial price hike every single year it got made. Yeah, and the the Nismo is like next level because this because the new the newest one that you can buy I think is is like eighty something. It's eighty something mm. plus options, and then if you want the Nismo version, it's hundred and eighty. <laughs> and I remember like making the videos on it. I was like, it's just like it's crazy. Like you've got to have big 
balls to buy this car because fundamentally you're doing it from a point of view that you're going to turn up to a track day because you're only going to buy this car for a track day and you just don't want a GT3 RS or like <laughs> or an M2 comp. You go to the Nürburgring, it's like M2s or GT3 yeah. RSs. For a reason. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, Nissan missed the, um, missed the price point. All of those cars seem mad though when mm. you look at like M3 GTSs, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. They're the M4 just like, DTM, do you remember that? Yeah, M4 DTM. That was like a sticker pack. That one, <laughs> yeah, with a wing. I <laughs> know <laughs> oh, the GTS had the wing. The GTS had the wing. Yes, yeah, the yeah. M4 yeah. DTM just had it was like it was white, white, with this, yeah, the blue and yeah. red stripes. And I'm sure there was something slightly different about it, but yeah, they're all like mad expensive. And then you look, but you look back at them now, and you're like, they're quite cool car. Like the yeah. the M3 GTS before that one. Yeah. They're like orange. It was always orange. Yes. That is quite a cool car. If I, if I saw one today, like on the way over here, I'd probably have walked in your front door telling you about it. Yeah. Like that's kind of how I see as a cool car that kind of either turns my head or or, or grabs grabs my attention. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe that, maybe that's going to be like the Nismo will be like in 10, 15 years time. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not buying one. Well, unknown, but un- unlikely. I like this. Uh, and I think I've, I've not missed out because I very much enjoy the cars that I've owned. Um, but I've owned cars for long periods of time. Mm. And I've had friends that have constantly been swapping out because they're like, I would like to have owned slash tried out X, Y, Z. And part of me is like, well, I'd be quite happy if I could have one for a weekend yeah, of like pretty much any of those cars without having to own it. Because mm. owning cars is expensive and swapping cars is expensive. Yeah. But equally there are, there's a bunch of cars like I would like to spend, like I'd like to spend time with a GTR mm. just to see like, I've been in one. Just to understand just, it. Just see what it's like. Because yeah. people rave about these things. And like, if you've never driven a GT3 or something and you're like, uh, what is this Porsche chat about? I think it takes a while for those to like sink in. Yeah. Um, but then someone might be like, oh, but you've never driven a V12 Ferrari and you can yeah. drive a V12 Ferrari. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is like a different experience. Like yeah. it's, it's different. Or yeah. you, a V12 Aston, something like a V12 Vantage. Yeah. That's massive engine in small, tiny car. But it's a very different V12 to the V12 you get in a Ferrari. Absolutely. Or the V12 you get in a Lambo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then... That's kind of, I think, one of the reasons why I probably do chop and change cars quite a lot because it, I jump into the car and I'm like, okay, this is cool. You get used to it, mm. so it becomes familiar to you. And then all of a sudden, as soon as something becomes familiar, it can then become the norm. And I remember when I first bought my R8 and um, I daily dailyed it for yeah. like two weeks and then I got in it. I was like, ah, oh, it's lost. It's lost how special it feels yeah that that's probably why it's maybe it's something like that's just the way my brain is wide that i wouldn't say i get bored of something quickly but i like just trying new things and then coming to the conclusion that actually something that i owned before yeah was was better and i think i think in a year's time if i come back on the podcast this time <laughs> next year and i don't have the Lambo anymore, I'll probably be like, yeah, I really miss that car. Yeah. Um, Maybe. But... Uh, at the you don't know what comes after exactly. that. Exactly. 
Exactly. And definitely, it is, it's a weird one. And I remember talking to Tim about this with, if you've got a special car, that's mm. it for me, Ford. Yeah. Tim, Senna or whatever, Ford GT or something like that. Yeah. He was very conscious that he didn't want to drive it too much. Yeah. Because the more you drive it, the more you become familiar with it and the more it becomes normal mm-hmm. and whatever. And you lose, you do lose that special feeling when you take it out. Yeah. If you drive it too, like too often, you could argue that you've had a great experience all of the time. But these cars that are nutty, yeah, I don't think you necessarily benefit from driving them a lot. No. You benefit from driving them at the right time in the right place and you get an amazing experience yeah. out of it. But then it's quite nice to sort of come back away from that. Yeah. But how do you manage that well, situation? Yeah. How does Tim manage that situation when all of his cars are what they are? That's that's literally what I what I try and battle all of the time because I, I never really want to fall back into that trap that I did in the R8 where it was my only car. Yeah. And that was because I couldn't afford anything else. Uh, if I could, I would have loved to have had a, a car that I just jump into to recalibrate what is normal and what is special. Because then that really is, that, that's what makes the memories more special. Like with the Lambo, with the RF40 is when you do get in that car, you remember every drive and it is special, and that's really what makes it a supercar. Yeah. And I remember when I first bought my Mercialago and realised very quickly that I couldn't do 98% of the normal journeys. Yeah. Like, if my girlfriend was like, oh, could you quickly just pop to the shop and get some milk? I'd be like, I'm absolutely not taking that car because <laughs> it just cannot do I it. I will walk. <laughs> yeah, and then that really, to me meant that the car became even more special because when you did take it out, it was for a particular reason and it was so concentrated on being all about just going out and enjoying mm. the drive that it became that special and that super in the lineup of other cars that I had access to. Totally. And I am able to have nice things. Mm. And with my daily... It's always tempting to just like level up your daily a yeah, little bit, a yeah, little, yeah. little bit. And like the S4, I love it. It's like a great car. But every now and then I'll see like ooh, an RS4 or an RS6 yeah, or something. Yeah. But I would almost like to go the other way. I would like to go down the line mm-hmm. rather than up the line so that my daily is still like nice, comfy, does all the stuff. But then everything else feels more special. Because if you're driving your daily in, let's say it's a, an RS6, a new RS6, loads of power, really comfy, really fast. Yeah. And then you get in your Mercilago or something. Yeah. RS6 is faster. Yeah. So you'll be like... Probably easier to drive. Easy, like it'll be easier and all the stuff. And it, immediately that makes the that car less special. Yeah. Like if you get into your sports car and it's slower than your daily car. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a good, no, necessarily a good situation it's, it's to be the, in. It's the wrong way around. <laughs> it is. It's, and, um, and I've definitely, I remember like really at the, um, earlier stages of the supercars of London YouTube mm. channel where I was going into, uh, I was going into central London and I was seeing these guys driving around and all of these like f- really, really fast sports cars. And then like the following week I'd see, I remember I saw this guy, he was driving, I think it was an LP 640. And the week later I saw the guy, I don't know how I clocked a why driving a mini Cooper. 
I was like, oh my God, like, he's got a Lambo. And he's <laughs> why not. Why would he drive that? Why would he drive a Mini Cooper? Like, I didn't understand it. <laughs> yeah. but, other t- but then actually, you're like, oh, maybe he was actually going to just get a pint of milk. Yeah. And he couldn't do that in his Lambo. Or, or he was just going to his family and wanted yeah. to take the much more sensible, much more practical car because he didn't want a headache when he arrived. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I'd love to, I'd love to have like a little Peugeot 208, a little, a little golf, something that I knew I could just jump in and it would work and it does everything I need it to do and just rack the miles up on that and enjoy driving that because then anything else I get into is going to feel 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 really, really, really cool. So I think that is definitely something that is on the horizon. Yeah, it's it's the- watch out on my channel. <laughs> <laughs> New Peugeot two hundred eight launching soon. <laughs> Week one. New exhaust. <laughs> Straight piping my two hundred eight <laughs> with a drill. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, awesome. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been good to, to see you in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like all of these, I do a lot of Zoom stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the world is uh, is a crazy time. So to actually do something mm. um, like this is is much, I think it's better and it's healthier. So much. So. Yeah. So much so. We're all just sitting looking at a screen. Yeah. And worrying about your internet connection about yeah. to drop out. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing we've learned though is all of our parents were lying about getting square eyes from looking at screens. <laughs> that's all we've done for the last seven months and they're still circle. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks very much. Awesome. Good to great. see you. Sweet.